We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into another edition of Henry's Guys, presented by Comer. Need those. Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. On tonight's show, we're joined by Ole Miss assistant baseball coach Carl Lafferty. Neil Stratton of Inside the League and Chris Easterling of the Akron Beacon Journal and uh, Gannett, Ohio. We'll talk uh, Ole Miss baseball, obviously. We'll talk a lot of NFL as well. We'll get to those interviews in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, Olive Branch, South Haven, those areas, get in touch with the people at Southern, 662-429-4429. It's uh, cold out right now a little bit. That The uh, baseball season is approaching, which means spring is on its way. That time of year that you're using your heat one day, your air the next. You want to make sure everything's in tip-top shape. So get in touch with the people at Southern and Comer, and they will take great care of you. This will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast. The uh, Oxford Exxon located on Hobby 6 West in Oxford, just next door to the Oxford Crystal, where you can enjoy the new Sunriser made with the larger round sausage. The combo is just $5.99. It's a great value to start your day right. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for my friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. And then the rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around, of course. It's your prerogative. Or you can do what I've done four times now, what I recommend that you do. And that's hop into a Clark Ford today. You will love the product. You will absolutely love the service. Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Guest join on the uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If uh, you are, sorry about that. I messed up. I lost my script. If you're an experienced entrepreneur, you're looking to diversify, 
If uh, you're looking to kind of take control of your own career, just get in touch with Andy Ludicky. He'll help you. He's a longtime Rivals board member, a diehard college football fan. He's a franchise veteran. He owns multiple franchises and businesses. He uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy. Put your life, your career, in your own hands 100% free. So you got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise, myperfectfranchise.net. Contact Andy anytime at andy at myperfectfranchise.net or at 404-973-9901. First up on the show, Chase Parham visited with Ole Miss assistant baseball coach Carl Lafferty. Opening day just a week away from Friday. So here's Chase and Carl on the myperfectfranchise.net hotline. Carl Lafferty now joining us. It's just throughout the year. Baseball just a week away. It's February 17th. The Blue Hens in town to uh, to face the Rebels. I'll tell you, Carl, I'm a little tired. Um, I don't feel like we had a lot of an offseason. I, I, I know you too, but in all jokes aside, you were playing until the end of June. Jan, in June. You had uh, the celebrations and fall ball and whatnot. Has it come back around faster than usual just because of how it transpired? incredibly fast uh i would have taken a you know a couple more months wouldn't have been a, an issue with me um but I, I guess it's to be expected but yeah i mean i feel like you know i was getting off the plane yesterday so uh there is an excitement now obviously with the season here but uh yeah it came quick is there an extra coaching challenge to making sure mindset is on next season after you win a national title. I mean, I, I know there's, we, you know, we talked to Mike about this at the, at the media day press conference and you got a lot of new kids. It's not the same roster at all. A lot of people in new role roles, but is there a bit of a, Hey, we need to really make sure they're not just fat and happy and kind of back at it. Um, yeah, I think Mike's done a, a pretty good job. Um, and only time can only time will tell, but I think the, the thing that we had to try to balance was, Hey, we, we do have to turn the page on last year and this team is, or in this year is this team. This is their legacy. This is their journey. Um, but still being able to, you know, give the the members of the of last year's team, um, obviously the guys that have graduated or or gone on to play pro ball, plus the uh, the guys on the current team, the opportunities to be celebrated when it's time to be celebrated. You know, especially this fall, um, because I I think you got to have both. Now it's a it's a balancing act and. But I think internally, uh, with our communication, with our interaction with the kids, it's been uh, about this year, uh, not not really about last year. It's about us. It's about right now. It's about how good can this team be? It's a funny thing because we and maybe the media did a poor job. Talk about Elko and Graham and Bench and all the guys gone. But you guys got a lot of guys back. I mean, frankly, from an offensive standpoint, you've got four main re- returners. Then you go into the portal for some guys and whatnot. It's a. It's an older team, and does it does that help too? Having some guys back that you know, some leadership's going to come from specific spots. You're not necessarily counting on a ton of freshmen to immediately play in the lineup and things that you know they that they will handle that type of thing in a little more mature way. Uh, absolutely, and uh, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you look up and you've got Gonzo and Kemp and Harris and McCants and Chatnier and Wood and, and guys like that. Um, they're great dudes. They're great leaders. And, and that experience is big, especially in our league. And then we were fortunate. Uh, I think we got some, you know, exciting guys out of the portal, uh, junior college transfer, Ethan Leger. And you look up and, man, it's a chance to be, you know, positionally speaking, you know, junior or older around the whole field. Um, and, and 
experience in college baseball usually wins out. Now, uh, we all like to have the, the really talented freshmen, and I think we've got some talented freshmen that are going to get some at-bats for us this year. Uh, but it's certainly nice to have guys with experience coming back and older guys coming in to fill in gaps. The two transfer the, the the two transfer portal guys. What was it that you liked about Calarco and Groff when you when you pick them up out of the portal? Uh, I mean, I think it's easy to look at them and go, "Hey, these guys got good swings. They look like um, they have a feel to hit and things like that." But we had some connections to each of them uh, that really gave us some insight on their makeup. And and probably the exciting thing, you know, for me is how quickly they got here and just transitioned into being, you know, a part of the fabric of the team because they're great dudes. I mean, they're really good players, but um, they're great kids, uh, great clubhouse guys, um, and they've been fun to coach. You mentioned Lay J. Uh, you know, you, you never fully know, but a guy who at least started at the D1 level, he's at Nichols, he goes Juco for a year. Have you seen signs on him that maybe he transitions better than some guys from that Juco standpoint? Because a lot of times Juco looks just like freshmen that first season, and it takes a minute or whatnot. What have you what have you seen by his transition and maturity? Um, well, physically he's, he's talented. I mean, obviously, you know, he turns down, you know, a significant amount of money in the in the draft last year to come to school. But I think the biggest thing for those kids is just what's between their ears. And, um, he's a really tough kid. He's a really, really competitive kid. Uh, he's a confident kid and, and not in such a way that's, that's arrogant, but he believes in himself. And I think that's the big thing. Cause I think a lot of times whether you're a junior college player or a freshman, um, you have some doubt, you know, when you step into our league and, and step out on, you know, our field. And that can make you not perform the way you're capable of. I think you could even look at Tim Elko early in his career. You know, uh, everybody remembers Tim Elko the last three, I guess, feels like 10 years, but last three years uh, and what a player he was. And and obviously his in, impact on this program was monumental. But the first year or two, it was it was different for Tim. And he didn't all of a sudden become more talented. He's always been that talented, but sometimes it. It's the it's the mentality that makes the difference, you know, when you first step on, on campus. We'll see what they do on the field starting in a week. But from an on-paper standpoint, is this the most – is this the deepest and most impressive freshman pitching class you put together? I mean, there's some really good freshman arms. Um, and I hate putting a lot on them uh, because it is so – I mean, gosh, we think about how good Gunnar Hoagland was. Think about that. I mean, he was a first-rounder out of high school – um, he was a first rounder when he left here, three million dollar guy. And in his I mean, he took the ball every, you know, Sunday's first uh year here, but it's it's tough. I mean, his numbers were were um not gunner-esque uh his freshman year. So I say it, I, I'm as excited about these freshman arms as I've as I've ever been. Uh I think it's a really, really talented group. Um again, I'm I always, you know, have a, a little bit of caution when I talk about mm-hmm. them just because. They're still 18, 19-year-old guys, and they're playing in the SEC. But um, from a fan, a fan perspective, they should, they're going to be excited. Yeah, it's that deal where I'm having a hard time just from fans slowing down the hype train that is coming with Grayson Sonye right now. And, yeah. you know, Mike, he I, I think I might, might have even asked him this at Media Day. He's only started, or you guys have only started two true freshmen on opening weekend the entire time in Mike's tenure. Um, it would have been a third, but you had a rain out. But there's only been two. What has allowed him to at least be in that conversation? I mean, when we talk about Grayson Sonia for the fans that haven't seen him, what's the profile? What, what's what's made him that much more of at least a name going into a season than maybe some of the really talented freshmen that you guys have had in the past? Uh, I mean, the first thing to to look at is his stuff. It's 91-95. It's a four-pitch mix, uh, four quality pitches. 
It's a strike thrower. Um, but he's got really good presence. Uh, he's really competitive. He's a kid that's dialed in, like, you know, what he does uh, from the days in between he pitch, that he pitches just is a separator. Uh, and that confidence level that he has in himself. Um, and again, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You hate to dump a lot of expectations on a freshman. I think that's, I think that's unfair, period, in the Southeastern mm-hmm. Conference. Uh, but he's certainly one to be uh, as excited about as, as any that we've had come through here. And you've got four or five that you could see pretty substantial innings if it fell the right way. And I mean, and maybe those guys have to come a little faster now with, with Maddox and, and, and Mallets being out, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sam Tacoyan, a uh, really talented kid, great fastball. Uh, JT Quinn, uh, tremendous flighter, throws exceptionally hard. Uh, both, you know, those guys throw strikes. Uh, Jordan Vera has looked good as he come back this spring. You know, low 90s fastball with a slider and a lot of pitchability. Um, you know, there's guys in this class from a, you know, from a freshman standpoint that look like they can make an impact. You had a little bit more of a celebration when they uh, they all showed up through the draft, I assume. Then you know, I know you lost a couple, but you're like, I, yeah. I know every year you're always like, hey, what's the worst case scenario, and let's build back from there, right? It's always, right. hey, this is this is as bad as it can be, and then whatever else happens, hey, it could have been worse. So that's no, no doubt. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, there were some guys that we you know that we sweated absolutely, uh, and to get these guys here on campus was big. I mean, I think it, you know talking about that class. I, I, we really didn't expect Ferris to show up. We, we thought we had a good shot at Roman Anthony, um, but, you know, that didn't work out. And for good reason, you know, both those guys were paid very, very well. Um, but to get the ones we did, it was big. Not to look too far ahead, but you kind of have to as the recruiting coordinator. You mentioned all the upperclassmen in the field. There's a chance that you guys lose all eight of those guys at the end of the year. What do you do? to go ahead and do what you can to, I hate to say fix that, but I'm mostly you're just trying to accumulate talent. But is that one of those deals where you know you're just going to have to rely on transfers and portals at some point? You develop everybody you have. I mean, what's sort of the mentality when it's that big of a potential turnover a year down the road? No, it, it, it's, uh, it's a really good question. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's why I'm bald. Um, but, man, uh, to be very candid with you, we have signed a really, really good class with the high school kids. I think any good SEC program, your your backbone is going to have to be high school talent. And in that incoming class, you've got Smithwick and Pratt and uh, Trenton Lyons and a number of kids, Braden Randall, Drew Markle. Like there's a number of position players that are really good. And you look at those guys and you go, man, they can they can really – really be good for a number of years here. Um, and then I think you look at it and you go, yeah, well, we have to probably go get some portal guys. Sure. Because it is going to be such a, a turnover, but I think there's young guys on this team, like the, you know, the furnaces, the Udermarks, Mason Morris, you know, guys like that, that uh, are going to see, are going to get at bats this year that, you know, you hopefully you look up and, you know, next year at this time, we're talking about a nucleus of, of some of those guys emerging uh, we're talking about maybe some kids we got in the portal and we're talking about how excited we are about, you know, these freshmen that had such good falls. And then you can kind of mesh that together uh, to put a product on the field that's that's good, that can go out there and score runs and be competitive. Does Furnace profile in a similar way to his dad, just straight tools? Um, I watched Eddie hit one to the back of that tennis court my freshman year. <laughs> I hope he does that a lot. 
Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's eerie when you look at their swings. They're both physical guys, have some feel to hit. Um, big body dudes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot to be excited with Will. Uh, you know, and again, it's he's still going through the the growing pains of of being a freshman. But like, you know, last week he hit one out of center field and. Uh, I think right now for him, you know, he he had a pretty solid fall. Uh, he can put together some really good at bats, and then you can see some of the freshman stuff come out, like but, but just like anybody. You know, I I, I tell people you you've got to kind of uh, you kind of got to handle it because you know, I mean, uh, Thomas Dillard and Gray Kessinger was they were as good as any players we've ever had here, and their freshman years were tough. Um, now the thing I do like about this lineup is I think much different than in, in Thomas and Gray's case, uh, this lineup's going to be able to give some coverage and, and let some of those young guys, you know, hit probably toward the bottom of the order where they can get pitched a little bit different and don't don't feel the pressure um, like Thomas and Gray did because it was a really young lineup that they were hitting at that time. I see this with recruiting all the time and guys that I covered in different ways, and obviously Furnace would count in this. Has there been some dudes come through that you're coaching that you go, God, I played against his dad that made you feel old or a couple of those that stick out where you go, hey, wow. It's, it's, it's happening now. Uh, yeah. My my fr- I, like my friend's kids are getting to recruitable age, and I'm going, oh, gosh, man. Uh, I am. Uh, the the years are adding up. Uh, so I'm, I'm hitting that mark. I think that's the first time that it's happened for me and Clem has been – in the last year or two. Uh, but when you go, you, you look at Will and go like, yeah, your dad hit one um, mm-hmm. with the, the old like gold Easton. And it went over the student section to the back where those tennis courts were. So yeah, back it, in like black magic days, it's been a, yeah, 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 exactly. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. What's uh, what was the off season emphasis? If there was one for Hunter Elliott, or was it just uh, take some rest and, and be the guy you are? I think he tried to work on his breaking ball. Uh, I think that was one of the things that, you know, stuck out this fall. Um, really good fastball, really good changeup. Uh, tried to to work on, you know, a little harder, tighter breaking ball just to to help offset left-handers a little bit more. Um, but, but yeah, I think that was kind of the, the biggest thing for him. Competitiveness is a guy you, – you don't worry about that with him. So, I mean, you got guys transitioning to that Friday night role. You have to be a little more confident in – his ability to manage that than maybe some of the people in the past that have had to take that jump. No, no question. I mean, you're talking about a guy that started the national championship yeah, game. Uh, he's all right. Like, he, like I, I don't know if you can get uh, a more, you can ask for better experience. Uh, and, and Hunter, and the cool thing about Hunter and Jack and, and uh, Mason Nichols is their makeup's really good. They're really competitive dudes. They take pride in their preparation uh, awesome kids, good teammates. And so that, that just, you know, aside from what you see on the field from the physical talent, that's the the neat thing about coaching those guys. He can be a bit of your Swiss army knife. How do you decide what's the best role for, for Doherty? Man, that's hard. Um, that's one that we're, we're constantly discussing in, uh, you know, in this office because, uh, you know, in one breath, he's, he's made a jump with his fastball. He's developed a breaking ball and, um, he could absolutely start. Uh, he's he's really damn good. But the other thing too is, you go, okay, if it's the, you know, on Friday, uh, we're playing Delaware. It's two to one. Uh, Elliot comes out and it's the you know the sixth inning or the seventh inning. You can bring Jack in. The game's over. Like mm-hmm. it's 
his stuff has gone to a, a different level and, you know, you add in the experience factor. So I think it's something that, that coach is still chewing through, still trying to think. And, and uh, it really comes down to the thought process to him is not whether he's good enough to start. Uh, he's good enough to start right now. hundred percent. It's about trying to figure out, okay, how do we use this group of pitchers in the best way to win weekends, you know, to set us up to, win two out of three to sweep, so on and so forth. And I think that's going to be the challenge earlier because the the flip side of it is um, you've got some talented young freshman arms. Uh, you've got junior college arm. You've got Xavier Rivas, who is a Division II transfer. Um, but you're talking about a lot of guys that don't have any innings, you know. And so it's mm -hmm. how do we strategically use those returners who do have the experience um, – to win games and what's the what's the best formula for that so uh the good news is jack is one of those guys that can do both uh we've seen that it's just trying to figure out how how it best fits this is an every year question and it's so cliche but do you even look around at kind of what's going on with other rosters inside the league because i was looking at the sec west and you've got the 2022 national champions the 2021 national champions two teams that tied for third in the country a team that was sixth in the country the most talented team in the country, potentially in LSU, and then Alabama, who's ranked. I mean, there's there's not really an off weekend here, Laugh. Like, I'm having a hard time coming up with, oh, well, yeah, you know, you got them on Friday, and you can kind of lay off for a minute. Yeah. Um, I'd be lying if I said you didn't do that. But then, mm -hmm. you know, Clem and I are usually pretty good about this. Clem, will, he always laughs. He says he'll pick up our schedule, and he'll look at our SEC weekends, and he goes – how in the world, like where, like where, where do the wins come from? You know, um, and it, it speaks to the the quality of our league and, and what you said, but I, I think you, you just have to get back and, and as cliche and coach speak as it sounds, just really get into your guys, you know, and that's, and figure them out because it, it, I, we say it every year, the league keeps getting better and better. Now I do feel like this is something, this is a real thing. The transfer portal, yeah, I think, is stretching our league. It, it, you know, you you dump in kids like you just look at some of the the recent transfers. You go from Dollander to Skeens to uh, what's his face uh, from Auburn, uh, Sonny Deshara, uh, Tommy Tanks. You you look at the the arm from Southern Miss going to Florida. Not to mention, like even in our own program, Groff, who was one of the best players at Tulane. Yeah, he said 400 uh, when he got hurt. Yeah, Calarco, best player at Northwestern. And now, so I think what that does to our league is it just, it separates us. Now, what it means when you get in league play, you just beat the ever-loving hell out of each other, um, which is, takes away stomach lining and, and hair follicles. Um, but yeah, man, it's a, the league, it, it's it's a bear. It's just a bear. It's going to get a lot easier. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma is joining will help out a lot. So that, that, that that's good. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's look, it's, it's NIL too. I mean, at the end of the day, when kids are looking for opportunities in multiple ways, it's the programs who care the most that fill it up that have the best facilities and all that stuff. Well, it's yep. these 16 programs once you throw Oklahoma and, and, and Texas in. I mean, this isn't <laughs> difficult to figure out that, yes, you're going to have more talent spread around the conference and – I mean, we could we could be in a situation where you end up having more and more and more teams and super regionals in Omaha and just start passing the damn thing around. It seems like. Well, and that's the crazy thing. Like, you can be ranked eighteenth, nineteenth in the country, and be like fifth or sixth in the West. Like it, like that's crazy, you know. It, but it's it speaks to the volume of this league. I mean, you you go through it, and 
man, there's no easy weekends. Um, you go through the rosters and and they do it every single year where you look at the number of SEC player in the big leagues, SEC players, you know, drafted in the the top 10 rounds or top three rounds. And it is there's a drastic separation in our league compared to the rest. And that's not throwing stones. I, that doesn't mean that other leagues can't have good teams or have teams that win national championships. I'm not saying that. I'm just stating facts. That's just the truth of the matter. Couple last things. I know you got busy. You got some bullpens and stuff coming up. Uh, two weeks ago, Taiwan Malone had the big day. Hit all the home runs. Goes four for four. And sw- swing's not bad. He's obviously a guy who could play Division One baseball anyway, especially if he was just a baseball only guy. But what impresses me about him, and I'm gonna let you speak on it, is how he adapts to you guys' locker room so easily. He just enjoys being out there. He's a dude that. You know, sometimes with those two sport guys, you don't really know what you're getting, and there's some entitlement and whatever. But with Ty, he looks like a dude who just freaking loves it and is enjoying being around whatever he's around at the time. Uh, Big Ty's a stud, man. Um, I think he's just an awesome kid. Like, he is a really, really good dude. And I think in our locker room, that resonates, I mean, across through every player. And then they're looking at him and go, okay, man, he's also – a very large human being. Um, and, and you know, that he, he's obviously putting in a lot of hard work to, you know, play SEC football is, is it speaks a lot to what you do as an athlete, but I think just, uh, you know, his approach, uh, his personality, uh, the way he carries himself. I mean, he was over here, um, you know, at times during the fall hitting when he could, uh, and, and what he's doing is, man, it's, when I say it's the hardest thing yeah, being a two sport athlete, but, even more so of being a two-sport athlete and being a hitter. Um, it is a lot easier to be a wide receiver and a pitcher or a basketball player and a pitcher. You know, when you start talking about hitting, it's the hardest thing in all of sport to do. And, and you're talking about a guy that, you know, misses out on at bats um, because he's not playing summer baseball or fall baseball because he's talented enough to be an SEC football player. And the fact that he can come out and put together at bats uh, it's really, really impressive. And and so that's the thing that I, I think all the all the guys see and they respect about him. Um, and he's he had a tremendous weekend. Um, and, you know, there, there's growing pains, especially when you're you're not uh, getting at bats on a consistent basis. But you can see the potential there when you see him have days like that. What's this final week like? I mean, are you shoring up? lineups i mean there's all the obvious things but i mean the last seven days or so what's kind of going on around there well one the big thing this weekend is you know continue to get our guys at bats uh i know that probably a lot of your uh your followers would be happy to see you know going through uh the shift like you know making sure that our uh, <laughs> uh our play situations and how we rotate through until that. you shift and then they hit the damn ball where you were supposed to have been then hey man then your message board is going to blow up uh <laughs> what the heck is mike doing shifting that guy um no uh so there's that there's getting uh pitchers pitch count built up you know mm-hmm. where they're getting their consistent work in and uh just trying to make sure that you dot all the i's and cross all the t's going all over your your team fundamentals from pickoffs and first and third and bunt D's to make sure they're good with that. Uh, even putting together, you know, different stuff like a challenging thing for the pitchers. Not, I shouldn't say challenging. It's it's just different. Uh, because of the new rules put in play with the 20-second pitch clock, we've gone to the uh, the digital wristbands. Um, okay. So just, you know, adapting to that and, and getting into the rhythm of the game and, and the the pace of play rules that have come about. You know, it's just, just typical stuff, but um, – you know, and coach always says this, and he is, I mean, I, I 
I say he's the best at it. He's the only one I've known, but he's really good at making sure they feel very prepared by game one. And it's just getting through that checklist and making sure that, you know, all the details are covered. And you're for the 10 run rule. Yeah, I am. Uh, um, I know that, it, it, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I think most of the, uh, it was dang near unanimous in the voting, I think. But, um, you know, when you get to that point, like, I think the everybody's ready to, hey, let's, let's call it a day. You know, what are, what are we doing here? Uh, and you look at just, you know, from using your pitching staff and things like that, it's, it just makes sense. Uh, for me, I, I can understand the baseball purists that say, hey, we want to play nine innings. And, and I totally respect that. Uh, as a coach, uh, I'm good with it. Like I'm, I'm all for, you know, playing the seven innings or whatever the, the run rule is and moving on. There was part of me that thought I would have been okay with it just on travel day so you don't give as much of a get-out-of-jail-free card to the losing team. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. I had that a little bit of a, a thought when I saw the rule. Well, there's also, you know, part of the the winning team, you know, and saving mm-hmm. pitching there. Uh, like, that, I think that people don't think about that. But, you know, if you're, if you're up and let's say that you're up by 10 and it could be the 10-run rule and you play the, you know, the eighth and ninth and – now you're trying to throw pitchers that maybe to get them some work or get them some experience. Now they put together a rally. Now you may not bring your guy in, but you may have to get him up and get him hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that, that sucks. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, my whole deal. I, I didn't see a, a huge negative with it. And that's, and that's me living it every single day. And um, so it, it didn't hurt my feelings. Appreciate it, bud. Let's do it again soon. All right, man. Great talking right. to you. Ole Miss Athletics Foundation is telling you that the national champions are back for another exciting year of Ole Miss baseball. Starts here in just 10 days. Show your support for their efforts on the field this season by signing up for the Pledge Per Win or Pledge Per Home Run campaigns. Donations are charged every Monday, allocated into your blue priority point total, and are up to 90% tax deductible. Sign up today by visiting give2athletics.com to donate. Call the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation at 662-915-7159. And still remember that the uh, tickets are available for both nights. I'm Morgan Wallen coming to Walt Hemingway Stadium in April. As low as $79, as low as, uh, I think, $90 for the other day. So tickets available, good prices on those, morganwallen.com. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like Juicy Burgers, Fresh Salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. You can also order online at walkons.com or on their convenient Walk-Ons app. If you're in Oxford or Jackson, please stop by the locations in Oxford and Ridgeland. Tell them how much you appreciate them sponsoring MPW. The College Corner is your one-stop Rebel Shops. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet. In Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, just go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. They have the largest selection of Rebel gear in uh, central Mississippi. We're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, Batesville, the surrounding area, call Comer 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, uh, South Haven, that area, call Southern 662-429-429. 4429 A-Stock Auctions is a Nashville-based online auction company with the admission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items at A-Stock start at just $1. That's right. Every item starts at just $1. Shop now at astock.bid. Download their app. 
Name your price on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock Auctions has multiple locations around Nashville that offer local pickups, so don't miss out. If you want it, bid it, win it. And we're brought to you by Solutions RX. It's a probiotic multivitamin supplement company created by Ole Miss Pharmacy alum Chris Cornelison. It's pharmaceutical grade. It's manufactured right here inside Mississippi under the highest standards. Listen, if you take diabetes medicine, high blood pressure medication, cholesterol medications, they can typically cause side effects like muscle pain, brain fog, and energy loss due to a depletion of minerals and vitamins in the body. But uh, Chris formulated a product called Prescription Support. It puts those vitamins back into your body, helps with those side effects, helping you stay more compliant, taking your medications, helping you stay healthier over the long term. It's uh, available in local independent pharmacies across the continental U.S., including all across Mississippi, or you can get them on their website, solutionsrx.com. Type in the promo code OEP at checkout and get 10% off your first order. Podcast also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer MedSync. For your prescriptions, the same day each month, and take care of you. One trip to the pharmacy, one delivery. You have everything you need when you need it with G&M. They also will transfer your medications easily. One call, they take care of the rest. Again, 662-236-2222. That was uh, Carl Lafferty. Thanks so much for uh, his time tonight uh, on the show. So some breaking news as we shift from baseball to football. I guess this applies to baseball as well. The SEC has announced, as has the Big 12, that Oklahoma and Texas will join the SEC a year early. Starting in uh, July 1st of 2024, Oklahoma and Texas, the Sooners, the Longhorns, will uh, join the SEC. It's a year earlier than originally planned. This has been kind of talked about for a while, about what would happen 2023, 2024. I'm reading from uh, my friend Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated. Uh, He says also that uh, this means that the league is getting closer to a conference uh, scheduling decision as it pertains to football. There's talk about a 1-7, a 3-6. I can tell you it's going to be a 3-6. It's going to be a 3-6. A couple of things are being worked out there. Uh, Ultimately, it's going to be a nine-game schedule. Three permanent opponents, six rotating opponents. You're going to play uh, every team in the league at least twice, home and once home and home, every four years. Uh, what's holding it up is that uh, they're still kind of talking to ESPN about, hey, look, if we're going to give you a ninth game for all 16 teams, there needs to be more more uh, more revenue. Uh, quoting Ross here, he says, last May, league administrators delayed a vote on the scheduling format at their annual spring meetings because of a host of uncertainties. One, the timeline for Texas and OU's arrival. Two, college football playoff expansion. Three, tiebreaker procedures. And four, ESPN revenue. Many of those items are now known. However, while most feel that uh, ESPN will increase the TV revenue, it remains somewhat of a mystery. If more revenue comes, a nine-game model seems like a formality. If more revenue does not come, maybe the league remains at eight, as is the case with much of college sports. A network, a TV's network decision determines the future course of action. So the Big 12 has announced this. So has the SEC. Um, 2024 is going to be a different look for college football. So if you're a if you're a nostalgia guy, better embrace the 2023 season because 2024 20, uh, is going to be a different deal. 12-team playoff, the Big Ten is going to add USC and UCLA. The SEC is going to add Texas 
and uh, Oklahoma, and um, it's it's going to be different. Uh, SEC athletic directors met uh, last week in New Orleans. Uh, Texas AD Chris Del Conte was there. So was Oklahoma AD Joe Castiglione. Uh, they didn't make any big decisions, but uh, they're getting closer. So um, it's it's going to be they're going to be pretty pretty interesting times in the uh, in the SEC. Certainly, uh, big news for uh, anybody who follows the SEC that this is uh, this is going down. He says the SEC should should lean in. This is us Florida AD Scott Strickland. He's a, a, a vocal proponent of the nine-game schedule. He says the SEC should lean into competing against one another as often as possible in all sports, not just a football deal. Uh, those are the games that the fans want to watch uh, or be at. Those are the ones the players want to play. So uh, we'll follow that. Be a, another big topic uh, next week uh, here on the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Speaking of, let's turn to the NFL now. I talked to uh, Neil Stratton my longtime friend of Inside the League about the NFL draft, how NIL, pay for play, is changing the draft and more. So here is Neil Stratton on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. My uh, longtime friend, Neil Stratton, Inside the League, kind enough to give of his really busy times. This is like an accountant at uh, at tax time. He's slammed, and he's kind enough to uh, to spend some time with me. Neil, it's great seeing you as always. Appreciate you being uh, being with us. Great to be back, buddy. Always a pleasure. So you deal a lot in the uh, in the draft world, in the agent world, uh, all the the, the, the all star games, the the hula bowl, the shrine bowl, the senior bowl, all that stuff's going on. Getting ready to go into the the draft, the combines coming up. Getting ready to go heavy NFL draft. You and I were talking before we started a little bit. I've heard some whispers about this, and and you live in this world. And I don't. Um, I, I live on the periphery of of that world. Um, I guess I'm a I'm a like a moon around a planet. Um, you're one of the planets. The NIL world. The, I, I like to call it pay for play because that's what it is. College guys are getting paid now, and it's up front. It's changing. The draft, right? Especially the the back end of the draft. The NFL drafts a seven round draft. It's changing what fifth round on. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a little higher than that, Neil. Um, I think especially if you look at the quarterbacks, you know, the Bo Nixes of the world and some of the others. Uh, the the uh, the kid that went to Pitt last year who has transferred to another school. Uh, those guys would be coming out now. They'd be wanting to get paid. They don't have to come out to get paid anymore now. These guys are making 500. I mean, the numbers that I've heard, and I can't justify, I can't verify any of it, but some are getting multi-million dollar offers to stay. We saw the Ohio State quarterback delay until the last day to declare. That guy could be the number two pick in the draft, and he almost didn't come out because he had such a great offer. I don't, again, I don't know numbers, but Ohio State was going to step to play big time for him, and then he comes back and he's, he loses nothing. All these, I mean, and you're talking about, now that's the cream of the crop right there. But if you're a day three kid, rounds four through seven, you can get about a half million dollars to go back to a school or change schools and you don't, and you don't lose anything. And I think the rookie minimum right now is about 770, something like that. But if you're, let's say you're a six rounder, there's no guarantee you make a roster. But if, but if you stay at school, man, you stay there in your comfortable environment, you bank 500, maybe $600,000. That's as good as like being an NFL rookie and you get to 
stay where you are comfortable and you don't have to change systems or anything. Or you can go to a different school if you want to, maybe get a better offer, maybe enhance your, your NFL prospects. It's a, I mean, it's almost a no lose for these kids that play the situation right, play the, uh, you know, play it all right. And the bigger schools, Neil, are really taking advantage of it. Some of these kids will put their name out that they're going to the portal. A school will find out and say, don't put your name in the portal. We only get five visits. We'll bring you in on a visit. We'll do, we'll pay for it. We'll cover all that stuff. Don't put your name in. We want you, all that kind of stuff. If you like it here, you're here. But don't put your name in. So, I mean, there's so many ways around it, and it's completely unregulated. I mean, it's, you know, it's Dodge City. And schools that said they didn't want to do it, they're getting dragged into it. They don't have any choice. I mean, I've heard about schools sending out emails trying to get more money. I mean, just because they because it kind of caught them blindsided, and they're trying to haul ass and stay in the in the in the race, and it's too late for them because these other schools have twelve, fifteen, twenty million dollars just sitting there in a slush fund, basically. Yeah, and so much of the money that's in the collectives is going to retain the roster. Absolutely, it's, it's like fans. And I get why fans felt this way. I completely understand the mindset because I kind of thought this was what was going to happen too. It, and I'm not talking about Ole Miss here. It's just in, in general. I'm, I mean, it, it kind of applies to Ole Miss, but it applies to a bunch of schools is that, Hey, we raised all this money. Okay. Now we're going to go out and buy all the recruits. Mm-hmm. Well, no, not really. I mean, kind of a little bit here and there, but you're going to use a lot of that money to retain your own roster. 100%. Because I always call it the tampering portal. You have the portal windows. But there's no tampering portal window. The tampering portal's constant. And everybody's like, well, the, the, the NCAA, like the NCAA can literally has no ability to say, hey, we're going to cut down on, on tampering because you would just go investigate every single program. I mean, everybody's tampering. Everybody's roster is being tampered with literally across the board. Pick your school from, from Alabama to Wyoming. Everybody is tampering. Everybody's being tampered with. So there's no way they could enforce it. Like you said, it's the wild, wild west. And there's nothing to do about it. There's no way to regulate it, really. So how much of what you're describing is a result of a bunch of guys having that extra year with the COVID year? I think a lot of it is. And I think that we'll have maybe more sanity in a couple years because those players that had done their three or four years and don't have that extra year probably go to the pros. I think there's two more years before that wash the COVID year washes out of the system. But this year and next year, unless someone does something drastic on the federal level to really curb it, I think next year is going to be just as crazy, if not crazier. I mean, Neil, I've heard stories of an agency. This is an NFL agency brokering a deal for a player. And then at the last moment, <laughs> they, they need another 5,000 for something. I don't know what it was. And so the school said, okay, uh, where are you? The guys, I'm in, I'm in, uh, I'm in a, sta- a city in Texas. Okay. They said, okay, where can we, we'll meet you. He's then the guy said, Hey, listen, I got COVID. I'm shut down in my hotel room. He said, that's, that's even better. We got coaches in that city. You're going to get a knock on your door. The agent says, I need five grains, five grand. No problem. You're going to knock on your door. Don't answer for 30 seconds. He, he gets the knock. He waits 30 seconds. He opens the door. There's, a, there's an envelope with $5,000 cash in it. It sounds like James Bond stuff. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. This is, I mean, if SMU just could have waited, you know what, 30 years, 40 years, they'd be the leader in this stuff instead of getting the death penalty. They were cutting edge and they didn't know it. 
but every, I mean, everybody did it. It was the, now it's just the quiet parts out loud. And yeah, pretty much. And we don't, I mean, we call it NIL. It's not NIL. It's pay for play. You're not paying. It's not name image license. You're getting paid to play. You're getting a salary. Nobody's sending tweets now. Nobody's doing appearances. No one's doing oh, no. commercials. None of that. None no, of that. they don't want to do it. I mean, hell no, no, no way. That's real work. This is strictly like, pay to play. You're right. We did three shows last year. Um, I, I did them. My daughter, Caroline, thank God produced them with players and, you know, I sold advertising. They were sponsored. Players did the shows. And now I think people are going to do shows again this year. I'm like, no, probably not. They're like, why? I'm like, well, number one, I don't know that I'm getting anything out of them. I don't, I don't know that, that I'm making enough out of them. By the time I paid for art and I paid for her to produce and all that stuff, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't like throwing money in the air at the end of it. Um, you know, you're, 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 the kids don't really want to do them. They do them because they're, they're obligated, but they don't want to do them. And so, right. you know, it, it, it's, and then now that there's, what's the incentive to do a show? They're going to get the same amount of money to do nothing. Exactly. If I'm going to pay you, if I say, Hey, Neil, I, I tell you what, I'll pay you $10,000, uh, to work or $10,000 not to work. Uh, not to work. That's cool. pretty easy. Yeah. It's, that's, that's the deal. So. Yeah, it's, it's just and now a, the pressure is on the school to go find them something that they don't have to do that will get them paid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, you, you, it, it's, it's just where we're going with college sports is so silly. It now, now they, they want the, and so it's trickled down to the high school kids. The high school yeah. kids are like, I'll do an interview, but I got to get paid. And they're like, no, no, I'm not paying you to tell me that Ole Miss felt like home. That's cool. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's going to have to be something more profound than that, that I can, that I can turn into money for me. And when I was well, 17, the NFL agents are recruiting high school now used to, you know, it was 10 years ago. They couldn't recruit a player unless they're three years out of high school. Now they're recruiting them in college in high in school. High school. So in how does that work? It's like, Hey, we're going to advise you. Or are they getting I mean, are they getting cuts of the of the money? I mean, how does that how does that work? Because if they're if they're if they're technically representing the player, he's no longer an amateur. You're right. It's I think it's a kind of a one hand washes the other thing. You're gonna be my guy whenever the time comes, right? That kind mm -hmm. of thing. I mean, again, I don't know. It's kind of a state by state thing, how the rules work and all that kind of stuff. And but I think to some degree, I mean, if you're putting yourself there as an NIL guy. Number one, you don't have to be licensed. And number two, I don't think the player jeopardizes his eligibility in any way, shape, or form. So as long as they are putting themselves out as work on the NIL side, yep. they can do whatever they want to. And now here's the other thing that the smarter coaches are doing. The smarter coaches are reaching out to those agents, advisors, and saying, hey, these are the guys that I really feel like we need to win at, 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 at you know Wyoming State. Um. And you go get them. And then the agent goes and tries to kind of broker a deal with the collective mm -hmm. for the player. It's so, it's so different than it was just five years ago when, Hey, you went into the living room and you had to wow mom, you know, or hey, well, this, this is the greatest, uh, it's you know, not recruiting. It's shopping now. It's well, it's, it's, it's exactly right. It's kind of, it is very similar to what happens for an NFL free agent where right. the agent goes out and kind of brokers some deals. And then at the very end, the player flies into Cleveland or, or Cincinnati or Houston or wherever. And 
tours the facility and the deal's kind of already been structured and he just has to decide whether that's where he wants to go or not. Right. I mean, that's what we're, that's what's happening with, with college recruiting. It's wild. Well, the smarter schools, I know a friend who was in NFL scouting. He was at an SEC school. He built a bank of about 300, 400 players ready to go when the portal started. I don't know if he knew that those guys were even going to enter the portal, but he knew he, they wanted him and they were ready for him if they got a crack at him. Strengths, weaknesses, how they fit in the program, grades, majors, the whole nine yards. I mean, he built a draft board just like an NFL team would, but this is for active college players. And I think that's how all schools are doing now. Let's talk about the draft a little bit. It's coming up. You've seen some of these all-star games. We're about to do the combine and the pro, pro, pro days and stuff, and that's going to change stuff. Obviously, everyone's talking quarterback. I'll start here. I had uh, Chris Easterling covers the Browns on. We were talking quarterbacks, talking about Deshaun Watson, that kind of thing. I asked him, I said, I know you don't cover the Bears, but you got to guess what the Bears do at number one. What would you guess? And he said, they'll, they'll trade the pick. Um, I'll ask you, you know, a lot of agents, you're kind of starting to see this. Chicago Bears sitting in a pretty spot at number one. Two, twofold question. In your opinion, are they in on Justin Fields? Are they, is he, is he their guy? Are they, are they, are they wed to him at this point? Or is it possible that they take a quarterback and try to trade fields? What what do you anticipate the Bears doing at number one? You know, I just think with a defensive-oriented head coach there, I think they're trying to explore other options. I I think these days you've got to find – you don't really find out what you have with a quarterback until year two or year three. And almost every player goes through that learning curve. They're already on the other side of that with Fields. And I'm not trying to say that Fields is, you know, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's a playmaker and he does things you can't coach. Given that, I think you could see them maybe keep the pick. I mean, Jalen Carter is an exciting player. There are not a lot of people talking about him. And, you know, there's some things he's going to have to work through, but he's a guy that would look, he would look great in the middle of that defense. If they've already got a quarterback, and then he and he becomes a dominant Warren Sapp type difference maker, you know that could make a real difference for him in stopping the run. And in, in a, I mean, in a division that's still kind of wide open, you know, it's it's not Green Bay and the rest of them anymore. Mm -mm. Um, so I, I could see him go defense there. I could see him keep the pick. Now they're gonna we'll know more after the combine. We'll know more after March on whether someone's completely fallen in love with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, someone else and is willing to pay King's ransom. But I don't think the Bears have to be in any pressure to, and it wouldn't surprise me if they kept it. You mentioned C.J. Stroud. You mentioned Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. These are all guys that get talked about as first 10 picks in the draft. You've seen these guys. I know you'll study them more, and you'll hear talk to people who study them more here in the next couple months. So your opinion might change between now and late April, but as of today, February the 9th, as we record this, any of those guys wow you? Do you watch any of those guys and go, that dude is a franchise quarterback? He's 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 a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow, a, a Josh Allen. He's the kind of guy that is going to, to make a franchise a contender for the next 10 to 12 years. I don't know. I, I think I know there are a lot of detractors for Young. I know he doesn't have picture-perfect size. He doesn't have all those things. But I think we're in a league now. And I know every time I come on the show, I talk about it, but the rules favor the offense so much. If you've got a guy who's got the software and can make a decision quickly and get the ball out quickly, he doesn't have to be that 
guy that's going to get crushed by an edge rusher and still be able to get up. Most of the time, <laughs> they don't have to worry about those big hard hits or taking a shot in the legs or taking a shot in the face mask or whatever. I think that favors a Bryce Young. Um, I like C.J. Stroud, too, uh, just because I, I feel like he's, I don't know, he's put up some big games and some on the big stage. I think those are both pretty good things they've got for him. Now, I am not a Levis guy. Uh, I mean, if you follow the SEC and you saw his performance, to me it still counts what you're doing on the field. And there are too many games that he just did not impress me. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he gets in the right system. Those are the guys I think. And now Anthony Richardson is an interesting guy. He's got tools. He's got all the – he's kind of a, a poor man's Lamar Jackson. But I think one thing that doesn't get enough discussion is do you have someone in the building who can develop a quarterback? You know, I'm a Saints guy. If the Saints were taking a quarterback, and there's been discussion of that, obviously, do I have faith Pete Carmichael can develop that guy? Do I have faith that they have anyone there who will be patient, who will correct him when he's wrong, who will build him up, build his confidence, or whip him down if that's what he needs? I don't I don't think so. And and I think that's a factor in all this. So do I see guys that are clay that could be molded? Yeah, I think Young and Stroud um, and Richardson to some degree. I don't, but it's, boy, it's so hard to, to look, sit here and say, these guys are future NFL stars. I mean, look how much the Niners gave up for, for Trey Lance, and he may not even be their starter next year. Seventh rounder might be. So there's just, <laughs> I'm not trying to give you a, a non-answer, but there's just no. so many factors that go into it that it's hard to say. Yeah, it's it's. I've, I've told the story, uh, Ole Miss, Kentucky were playing, and I guess that was October 1st or somewhere around there. And and um, I was talking to the head of scouting for a franchise not to be named who was uh, there for the game. And I said, are you here for Levis? And he goes, God, no. I mean, if we're drafting quarterback, we're in trouble. And and I said, what do you think of him? And he goes, I don't know. Look at him. And he's down, you know, look down at the press box. I'm like, he looks like a gazillion dollars. I mean, he looks great. Mm-hmm. He looks looks like an NFL quarterback. And he's just slinging the ball around in warm-ups, and you're like, dude. And he goes, exactly. He goes, that's what happens. He goes, the results on the field don't match that. And he goes, but here's what we all do. He goes, I'm not criticizing. We all do this. We all take three months where there's no football. The Chiefs and the Eagles are going to play on Sunday night, Neil. They're going to play a game. Someone's going to win. Someone's going to lose. And then on Monday morning, all these organizations are going to meet except for the chiefs and the, and the, and the Eagles, and they'll do it on Tuesday. All these other organizations are going to meet on Monday and they're going to sit around the proverbial coffee, uh, conference table. They're going to have a coffee and a protein bar and they'll talk about the game for a minute. And then they're going to turn the page and they're going to start talking about the draft and they're going to, with no football to play and no football to watch, you're going to have the underwear games and you're going to have uh, some meetings and stuff. But for the most part, you're, 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 you're you don't have any more football. No one will play another football game before the draft, and they are going to overthink the draft because that's what everybody does. You have three months to meet, and all these different people that have opinions, and you're going to get confused, and guys are going to talk about it, and Will Levis is going to wow people at a pro day because he's going to look like he's going to be in the best shape of his life. He's going to look amazing. He's got a great arm, and he's going to make all these throws. He's a charismatic kid. And someone's going to take him super high and it's going to be a big gamble. And I, and then Anthony Richardson's the other one that you mentioned. He's got all these physical tools and there's a couple of games, Utah, a um, couple of games that come to mind that, where he was awesome. 
And then I'm like, did you watch the Vanderbilt game? <laughs> I did. I mean, did you watch? Did you watch them play? Some of these other teams were dude didn't show. Mm-hmm. Now is that Billy Napier? Was that Dan Mullen? Was that mm-hmm. offensive line sucked? He didn't have weapons. What was that? But he's going to be a guy that his pro day, and at his the combine. I mean, <clears> he's beautiful, <throat> and he's going to put up these. He's going to make do deals with his body that everyone's going to go. Oh my God! Let, let me mold that piece of clay and it's going to be the same thing it always is so it's what makes the the draft fun is that all of these people who are paid a lot of money someone's going to get it right and someone's going to get it bad wrong it's going absolutely going to happen in the draft i mean in today's game teams get so fewer games to evaluate a quarterback now you know yeah and you know i keep going back to lance lance had a great year on the one double A level, maybe two. Then he played one year that Kobe year. That he played one game that Kobe year against Central Arkansas, and he gets drafted four overall. Is that what it, I mean? Matter traded up to get him some way up there. Yeah. Now we're two years in. He sat one year, then he broke his ankle. They still don't know what they have. I mean, no, they're about to, they, were, they were they were about to go with the seventh round guy that, until he got hurt in the right. NFC Championship game. Who was about to become? I mean, if if Brock Purdy plays that game in, in a hypothetical world, they win. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy's preparing to play in the Super Bowl on Sunday. Brock Purdy's the quarterback of the 49ers. He probably he probably is anyway. And and that's and that's the thing. Purdy was was he a four year starter at Iowa State? Something like that. Yeah, he played a ton of football at Ames. Yes. And it's funny because here's what's working against Brock Purdy. You become less sexy sometimes the more you play. Because yeah, you, you see, you see weaknesses. You can pick stuff apart. You're like, well, he doesn't do this, and he doesn't right. do that. You know, right? Look at Anthony Richardson. Nobody really knows. You hit with an Anthony Richardson. Look what you got. But if you don't, and you, you may have nothing. <laughs> you use the ninth pick of the draft, for example, on an Anthony Richardson, and if he doesn't deliver, that's yeah. failure. Yeah. There's no other. There's did. no other word for it. That's failure. And if you get thrown in the fat early, and more, more and more often that's happening for quarterbacks, you may get one, maybe two seasons, and they're moving on if you're not lighting the lamp for them. So it's just such a disposable league now, and it's just hard to evaluate these players. You mentioned New Orleans. Uh, Derek Carr's gone in there a couple of times. It looks like there's conversation about Derek Carr for a third-round pick. You're a Saints guy. Saints quarterback play last year was average on a good day. Does Derek Carr change the needle for them? And if, if you're New Orleans, is that a deal that you almost kind of have to make? I don't know if I go third round. I mean, it all kind of hinges on the quarter, the, the the contract. I mean, the Raiders signed that insane deal, and they've got what uh, six days to to move him, something like that. I yeah. think the fifteenth is when that activates. So if they can get that deal whittled down, I think you do. The thing about it is I'm kind of excited about next year's quarterback class. And if they commit to a Derek Carr and pay him anything, I mean, if they're if you're looking at what's the rate for a guy like that, 35, 40 a year, something around there. Mm-hmm. If they can get it to where he can they can get out of that deal pretty easily, then I think I do. But if they're gonna have to sign something where they give him a, a signing bonus that basically welds him to the team, kind of <laughs> kind of a Michael Thomas situation for two or three years. I don't do it because I think I suck it up, try to find someone to patch the leak for a year. And then I take my chances next year. Um, 
it's just the it's but it's tempting to do because the NFC South is there for the taking. You don't have a quarterback that anyone's excited about on any of the teams with Tom Brady retired. So you're thinking if you bring in a Derek Carr and you're just league average there with the defense the defensive out that Dennis Allen puts on the field, you got a chance. So it's tempting, but it all kind of hinges on what how long you have to commit yourself in my mind to Derek Carr. You piqued my interest, so I'm guessing that a lot of the people who are listening to this and watching this, you piqued theirs as well. When you say you're excited about next year's quarterback class, who are the people in it that kind of have your antenna up? Well, my kid, who's the who's even bigger hoot at than I am, wants to, wants the Saints to go out and lose, go 0 and 17 so they can get Caleb Williams. Um, but I mean, I think Quinn Ewers is an exciting player too. Yeah, I do too. At Texas, and uh, there's one more that I can't think of off the top of my head, but. There are three guys that have, look like real franchise-type quarterbacks in the next Will, year. Williams would be the first pick in this year's draft if he were eligible, right? I would, I think so by a long shot, yeah. Just yeah. the tool. The run-pass combination and, and the elusiveness and, and all those things make him pretty exciting. It's kind of like the NBA. People have been talking about Victor Wimbanyama for years. He would have been the first pick in last year's draft and probably the draft before that when he was 16. And so you've got... You've got the Spurs and others that are kind of tanking a little bit, trying to position themselves to maybe maybe land him, the Rockets. Um, all right, last couple of minutes here with you. Um, from these All-Star games that we've just watched, anybody jumped up as a fast stock riser who maybe went into the All-Star games that everybody wasn't really talking about and now there's a lot of whispers about them? The one name that I keep hearing is Spears, the uh, running back from Tulane. I think he had a really nice senior bowl. Got some recognition for his practice week. Uh, um, he's the one I think. I, I think there were some tackles that looked pretty good. This is a rather deep tackle class, and I think there are a couple guys who really kind of cemented where they were. I, I don't have names as much. Um, I haven't. I don't get to. <laughs> I wish I could watch a practice more than I do, but it's there's just so many people there in Mobile. It's just kind of a renewal of, a, of acquaintances and talk business and all those kind of things. So it's a little harder. But those are the names that I would say. That, that's the one player that comes to mind immediately that really kind of, uh, I thought, showed, showed, showed out there and helped himself. Um, yeah, I heard some rumors that Cincinnati, I heard rumors that Cincinnati has kind of started looking at Spears and gone, ooh, it might be a cheaper way. Let us get out of the mixing thing, free up some money, mm-hmm. get rid of a headache. Yes, yeah, speaking even of improve at the position. No one's more disposable than running backs these days. Yeah. Now, yeah. The senior ball is also kind of interesting because it's they're kind of in a battle with the Shrine Bowl now, and the NFL's kind of put its chips on the Shrine Bowl. So it's not a as it's still a clear cut winner as talent as far as talent, but with the NIL situation, the COVID year situation, and the competition from the Shrine Bowl, it was, it was you didn't see the glaring, gleaming, obvious first rounders there. Were the first rounders? Yes. But it wasn't a year where you're like, wow, look at all this talent. You know, and that's I think that's true of all the all-star games. It's more and more players are looking at their options and they're fearing injuries and they've got more to lose. It's just harder to make that sale sometimes. And as a guy who really believes in all-star games, that's hard for me because you know, I mean, you want to see guys do it on the field, obviously. And I think Jim and Eric and all those people are doing they're really having to battle to get to commit get players to commit to it. And it's it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And then you have guys that come out early and, you know, just it's 
Totally. Like you said, there's a lot of people in their ears that are advising them on what to do. You see guys opting out of bowl games and all of that stuff and a lot of decisions to make with a lot of money on the line. And then you throw in the, the prospect of guys hanging out in college a year longer or getting in the portal and jumping places. It's just a fascinating landscape that, that uh, it's rapidly changing. It's hard to, it's hard to explain to people because I'm not even sure I completely grasp it. And it's something I talk about every day, but the, the landscape changes so rapidly. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, I'm, you look at mock drafts, the top 10, 15 picks in the first round in every one of them, none of them are seniors. You know, nobody makes it to that last year. And I'm not even talking about senior eligibility wise. They're not even making, I mean, they're still, they haven't even graduated and they're leaving. And I guess that is not a new problem per se, but it's just more prominent than ever these days. All right, last thing. I've kept you longer than I said I would, but uh, Super Bowl 57 is on Sunday. It's the Eagles, the Chiefs. It's not a game that has me excited. Uh, Sunday's going to roll around, and I guess I'll make myself watch it. Or I, I'm not. I'm not particularly. I guess I, I was really hoping the Bengals would get back. That's probably a lot of it. Um, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, all that stuff. What are you looking for in the game? Who do you think wins? What kind of game do you think it is? I like the Eagles' defensive line. Uh, against the uh, Chiefs offensive line. And, uh, you know, if you can't, and as magic as Patrick Mahomes is, and I take nothing away from him, if you can't give him that pocket and make him feel comfortable back there, I think he's in trouble. And uh, I, I'm i a big Jalen Hurts guy. I've, I've been a Jalen Hurts guy. And, yeah, I know you have. Uh, I think he's going to be a factor for them. I I don't know what the, what's the line, do you know? Yeah, it's one and a half. The uh, Eagles are a one and a half point favorite. Is that right? Okay. I, I thought the Chiefs would be a favorite. I think the Eagles uh, win. I think it's close. Uh, I don't think it's a shootout. I think it's probably in the, tw I mean, over under probably 50 or less. Um, I think it'll be an entertaining game. I, I'm kind of like you. I'm not super excited about this matchup, but I, I think the Eagles have a chance, a good chance to win this game. That's my, my prediction is Eagles in a close one, I guess. I said last thing, one more thing. I'm curious, just your your on the your barometer on the league as we turn the page after the Super Bowl to free agency to the draft. Do you anticipate a lot of big moves involving free agents? Do you anticipate uh, it being kind of quiet in that regard as people wait for the draft, or what do you sort of expect? I think it'll be interesting. I think there are enough. One thing that I thought was really uh, maybe an un undersold story of this offseason is were there 16 offensive coordinators that were fired something like that it's a bunch i don't know the number that's a lot of change and i think all those teams are going to want to whoever comes in is going to want to you know make their mark they're going to want to craft their team in some ways to me that lends itself to some interesting changes not just to the quarterback position but at other positions too to mold these teams and make their mark i mean like like we the theme of today is not for long. You don't have very long to be successful. And if you're not showing signs quickly, you're out of there. So <clears throat> I think it could be interesting because so many teams are changing their offense to look more modern or to just look like it didn't look last year. And I think the, the seeds are there for an interesting offseason. I know you're busy. i uh, get back to it. Really appreciate you taking some time for us. Appreciate it. Hey, it's always fun. Neil. I appreciate you having me on buddy. As always, um, I, I, I hope, uh, Hope everyone has a great time with Super Bowl and in the coming weeks, free agency, the draft. It's, a, it's an exciting time to be a football fan. Talk to you soon.
bet. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Podcast brought to you in part by Johnson Hill Creamery, johnsonhillcreamery.com. Still time for those Valentine's Day orders a week away. Their uh, pre-order menu is out. You can get by the dozen, the cannolis, the macaroons, the chocolate-covered strawberries, the brown butter chocolate chip cookies. They have artisanal gift boxes, dessert boxes, and king cakes. 24 hours notice for the king cakes. Lots of different flavors, including the blueberry cheesecake. That's their newest offering here for 2023. So celebrate Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. Get your king cake. I saw on the thread people want to have it with coffee. That's the way to go. Johnson Hill Creamery, johnsonhillcreamery.com. Order right there online. Again, 24 hours notice for the King Cakes. With the temperatures dropping, we've entered prime sock season. Our friends over at Dead Socks, he just announced their buy one, get one winter sale. Right now, when you buy two sock bundles, you get the second bundle 50% off. Or get a free pair of socks with any single pair you purchase to get the deal. Just put any two bundles or any two pairs of socks in your cart and apply the code REBELGROVE. If you've got bundles in there, it will take 50% off the least expensive bundle. If you've got two pairs of socks in your cart, it will make the least expensive pair free. So head over to deadsoxy.com, stock up on this incredible winter sale, and as always, stay soxy. We're also brought to you by our uh, friends at uh, Game Changer Patch. They're the only two-patch system available in the market. To stop hangovers before they start, the warm-up patch is used before or while you drink. The overtime patch used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game, ready for your next play. Go to GameChangerPatch.com 
promo code rebelgrove20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Uh, ACS is uh, owned and operated by my friend Clay McNutt in Baldwin, Mississippi. Um, ACS can service and install Rockwell Automation, Allen Bradley, Siemens, ABB, Square D, many other manufacturers. To learn more about them, get in touch with them at acsllcms.com or call 662-601-4381. Valentine's Day a week away. If jewelry is in your plans, I recommend Lamons Fine Jewelry in Oxford. Lamons at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. has been serving the Oxford area for three quarters of a century. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, and more. Lamons. It's the gold standard in fine jewelry. Visit them at lamonsfinejewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. Get in touch with our friends at Pinnacle today. And the Pinnacle uh, 401k advisory services team will conduct a complimentary, no obligation benchmarking and analysis of your current 401k plan. It's uh, mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. And we're brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. If you are uh, thinking about traveling, maybe you're planning spring break. It's getting closer. Maybe you're uh, you're headed to um, someplace this summer or you're already thinking about a holiday trip. Get in touch with John. Let him uh, create a special trip that makes a lifetime of unique memories. All you got to do is give him some parameters, give him a budget, He'll give you options you probably won't find on your own. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, jedwards at regencytravel.net. Podcast also brought to you by Prime Shrimp, primeshrimp.com. Seven different flavors available for you. They ship directly to your door. Fewer than 10 minutes from freezer to plate with Prime Shrimp, their newest offering, the New Orleans barbecue style it's become my favorite, just uh, outpacing the signature, which is a great versatile option that goes with everything, pasta, veggies, rice, or just make it a meal or a snack in and of itself. And now with code RG, you buy five packs or more, five pouches or more, and you get 25% off. So that's the new deal to all listeners, subscribers. 25% off, five packs or more with code RG with primeshrimp.com. Uh, thanks to Neil for his time. We've been buddies for, gosh, two decades now, maybe longer. Um, next up, I spoke with uh, Chris Easterling of the Akron Beacon Journal, also Gannett, Ohio. Uh, Chris covers the Cleveland Browns. So we discussed Deshaun Watson, life on an NFL beat, all things NFL, including his Super Bowl pick both this year and next year as well. So uh, here's Chris. Chris Easterling covers the Cleveland Browns for the Akron Beacon Journal, also Gannett, Ohio. Uh, Chris and I have sort of connected uh, via social media. Social media is typically a bad thing, but in this case, it's been a good thing. Uh, make some, made some friends, made some uh, contacts. I think, Chris, it was with some of the Chris Kiffin stuff back when he left the Browns to come to Ole Miss for like 48 hours, and then he went back to he went back to the Browns. I think we sort of communicated a little bit back I have followed your work on your first year with covering the uh, covering the Cleveland Browns there in the AFC North. So thanks for giving us some time here. Yeah, I can't thank you enough. Enjoy the podcast uh, with you and Chase. So it's an honor to be on with you guys. So I don't even know where to start. I guess I'm going to start here because you're based in Ohio. You've been in Ohio pretty much your whole life, uh, although you went to University of Kentucky. We might ask you about the Cats in a minute. But um, obviously – 
we were taping this on a Wednesday late morning, about 12 hours or so after LeBron James became the NBA's all-time career leading scorer, which is an incredible accomplishment, when you, the more you think about it. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a great player, and he he passed uh, Kareem uh, on Tuesday night against uh, my Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, you saw LeBron as a high schooler. Uh, you've you've seen LeBron James before he was even on the national radar. When you see last night happen, um, from your unique perspective, can you kind of give us some perspective of how big of a deal this guy is in the part of the country in which you live? I don't know if there is anybody bigger in this part of the country. Um, LeBron is Akron. At this point, you know, not just because of basketball, but, you know, the off the court things, you know, I, I mean, it, it's he may have left Cleveland a while ago to go to L.A. and before that to Miami, but he has never left Akron. And so to put where LeBron is held in this area, to put it in perspective, I, I don't know if there is something. I mean, I don't know if you can because, I mean, this area doesn't – I mean, there's been great play people, great, you know, individuals. I mean, Steph Curry was born in Akron. <laughs> so, but LeBron is just such a – nobody of that magnitude is from here. And to see him do that and to think back to, you know, remember watching him as a – I don't want to say scrawny, but he wasn't that jacked when he was a freshman at St. Vincent St. Mary to, to see what, to see him go from that and just hear high school coaches whisper about him. You know, yeah. Oh, St. B's got this kid. You got to see this kid to now the NBA's all-time leading scorer. It's, um, I saw a colleague uh, of, of mine just post on Facebook uh, this morning. He goes, I'm legitimately emotional watching this because I saw this kid as a, this has been my whole life watching this kid. And I'm like, I don't know if I was emotional, but there is a step back and really take it all in because while you weren't directly involved in it, you followed the journey. You know, you were there from the beginning and to, to, to now and, it was. It's like nothing I've ever experienced with a with a, a sports figure, because I don't think it's possible unless you you get in at that, unless you're a family member or a close friend or coach of that that individual. I don't think it's possible to have that kind of journey, step by step journey that that this area has had with LeBron from from childhood to that last night. You were telling me about a game where he played at uh, at Maslin when he was at, at uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. And the game was at Maslin, so obviously it was a road game for LeBron's team. And he has this play that the, the student section just goes nuts and it's against their team. But this guy, I mean, I said this on the Wednesday Oxford Exxon podcast. When your nickname is the chosen one, mm -hmm. think about that for a minute, like the chosen one. Right. Not, not, you know, not, not some star name or whatever, but the chosen yeah. one. I mean, in other words, the one, I mean, you're, 
rarefied air. It's so hard to live up to that. And he's done it. I mean, in, in, he's surpassed it. He, I think he, in he some truly ways, has because look, he's got his flaws. I mean, we all have, I mean, like everybody else, he, he's human, but we're nitpicking, you know, some of those flaws that may be based on per, your individual perception of his social work, you know, his social, sure. whatever. Sure. I you mean, po- it, your political views, your socioeconomic views, all of those things might, might, yeah, my color, your, where you see a flaw. Right. So, you know, that's, that's to the eye of the beholder, but I mean, he's, like I say, he's given so much back. My late father was rarely impressed by anybody. But he was always impressed by LeBron because he said, you can see where his heart is because you can see he never turned his back on, like I said, he never turned his back on Acker, never turned his back on, quote unquote, his people, you know, you know, the, the, the youth of Akron and, you know, he's back at St. V regularly, you know, he, 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 he does a lot. He has a school in, in Akron. He, he's, he's founded and he just, that as much as anything he's done on the court, I, I keep going back to it, but here in Ohio, in this part of Ohio specifically, that means a lot, you know, because look, he did that in LA wearing the Lakers uniform and, you know, there's a segment of Northeast Ohio that they're the, the, the back and forth, the Cleveland to Miami to Cleveland to, to LA may have, may have rubbed them the wrong way. But the fact that he has never completely left Northeast Ohio and specifically Akron is, is the thing that I think keeps him so popular in this, in this area beyond the basketball. Yeah. And he did come back and win a title. That probably, I mean, you get, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the and, and that's, a, you know, he, I, I think that's what made the move to LA so tolerable to a lot of people is that at the end of the day, he promised I'm bringing you a title to Cleveland. I'm going to bring a title to Cleveland. And I don't know if people completely understand why I'm sure Ole Miss baseball fans, Ole Miss fans can speak to it with what the baseball national title meant for Cleveland fans and Northeast Ohio sports fans, that 2016 title I mean, that was like a, it was like they exercised the demons, you know, it was, and, and, you know, I can remember that night, it was like nothing else. And it was like that night, LeBron James, from that point on, LeBron James probably it could do no wrong in a lot of people's eyes. Sure. All right, let's switch to the NFL. It's the big Super Bowl week. Uh, we'll get to your Super Bowl thoughts in a minute. I'm sure you probably have some. You've you've uh, you've followed the league all this year, but this was your first year as a full time NFL beat writer. Um, I got a taste of NFL beat writing in my mobile days. Uh, I was covering the Saints, but it was I was also covering the SEC as a whole. I was covering other stuff, so my Saints beat writing consisted more of. Um, some sort of a feature, a couple of notebooks, an advance, and then game day coverage. My mm-hmm. Sundays were just wow. But 
the rest of it, I didn't, I didn't get the full taste of NFL beat writing because I was covering other things. You got that. Um, take me into the the world of an NFL beat writer for a week covering a franchise like Cleveland that is uh, their fan base is pretty damn passionate. Mm-hmm. It, um, I think it's mentally tiring more than physically tiring because it's just like, how do I give something, you know, you, you talked about access, you know, we get access, access Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or on a typical Sunday week, you know, the, that, those are the days we have the open locker room, but you need people in the locker room. And that's been part of the problem this year was, we get guys that they bring certain guys to the podium. Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, whether it was Jacoby or Reset or Deshaun Watson, Amari would come, Nick Chubb, a couple others, Miles Garrett. But in terms of the periphery, there were times when it was a ghost town in there. And is that because they knew that's when it was open and they didn't want to talk to you guys? Or I think so. I think, I think part of it was it's a younger roster. And, you know, we think back the last few years of the way it's been with media. You know, a lot of these guys went through college programs. A lot of them are SEC, like SEC guys, LSU. Yeah. yeah. And so you're you're not put out there, you know, it, it, I mean, you can be hidden. You can go a whole career without talking to the media more than, what, two times? I mean, depending on who you yeah, depending on who you are and, and and how much you tow the company line. And, um, you know, it's it's really interesting. And I've had this I've, – I've always, Chris, this you and I are about to go off into a journalism thing for a minute, and there will be some people that are like, talk football, and some people will be fascinated with this. So to those of you who are fascinated, you're welcome. And to those of you who hate me right now, I'm sorry. We'll get back to football in a minute. But I've had this argument with – media relations people, not just at Ole Miss, but elsewhere. Because I've always told, I've always promised that I would never, ever, ever complain about access. I won't right. do it. I won't do it. Um, I've had coaches call me. Hugh Freeze did this to his credit, called me and said, how do you want to do this? How do you, what, how do you want access to work? Right. Tommy Tuberville, when I was covering Auburn, walked into the room one day and we were like, dude, you've got to limit some of our access because we can't work. We're constantly at practice. And um, so, I mean, I've, I've had those conversations, but I've never once picked up the phone and gone, this is not doable. We don't get to see anything. We don't get to talk to anybody. My job is to figure it out. If you don't let me talk to anybody, I got to figure out what I'm writing. I got, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I've always sort of, if anything, if I'm being honest, I've always viewed that as a strength of mine. And so when I know that opponents, the people that I compete against, are bitching about it, then that means they can't think of how to create content, and I can. And so right. it's, it's advantage me. And you know, I don't, you know, I'm not all, all walking talking advantage. So when I have an advantage, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang on to it. That said, I have told people in media relations and such, I'm like, you guys are not doing a service to these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially now in this NIL era, you're really not doing a service to these kids because you need to let them get their story out because there might be a business that wants to get involved with them. But you want the fans to know them as something other than number 71 or number 12 or whatever. Right. And and the only way to really do that to the masses is to let them talk 
to people like us. Yeah. And, and yet they now go through high school where they don't talk to the recruiting people. And I get it because there's a gazillion of them and a lot of them are really creepy. So they don't do that. They figured out they can control their own message with social media. And then they get to college. And it's like you said, uh, freshmen don't talk to the media. And then they become sophomores and we get them this couple, three times a year or whatever. And it's in front of a podium with people asking stuff. Nobody ever gets a chance to really talk to them about, Hey, everybody's got a story, you know? I mean, yeah. And we don't ever get to that place. And so then they become pros, those that are fortunate enough to become professional players. And I've always told them, I'm like, those guys are going to get into a locker room in Pittsburgh or Dallas or Phoenix or wherever and they're going to have a bunch of professional journalists, guys who've covered the league, women who've covered the league for a long time, who don't care about school loyalty and all of that stuff. They're looking for stories and they're writing and they're not fans and they're not going to, they're, they're, they're professionals. They're doing their jobs. And these kids aren't going to be prepared to talk to those people. And you're doing a disservice with them. And I think you're starting to see that in the pro level. Guys are showing up in NFL locker rooms and they don't know how to deal with media. And then I see the guys who were given a ton of experience with it. I'll give you an example. Mike Hilton played at Ole Miss and was kind of one of the voices of the program and got to know media guys and He's there and it was in Pittsburgh for years and now he's with the Bengals and he's a guy that the media go to. He's a go-to guy and and right. he's he's super at it. And the day's gonna come with Mike, it might not come for a while because he's just defied the odds, but the day's gonna come when Father Time's gonna say, Hey Mike, you can't play football anymore. And he's gonna have a media career if he wants one. He'll be able to do a lot of different things. And so it's just a disservice that that's happening to these guys. And when they go into the NFL, and the truth is they're ducking you guys, not because they don't like you, even though I think they're told not to like you. Right. They they it's they don't even know you, but they're they're scared of you because they're not prepared for it. You're preparing them for football, but you're not preparing them for a big part of what comes around football, which is dealing with fans, dealing with media, enhancing your brand as a player in this limited window of time that you're a player, enhancing your brand as a player so that you can capitalize to the maximum on your potential and your earning potential. And even some of the guys that came in the last couple of years, well, this past year was the first time we've had open locker room since, you know, since COVID. Right. So, you know, 2020, 2021. So if you're in your third year, which there's a lot of guys in this league in that locker room, you know, uh, a Grant Delpit, uh, you know, uh, a Greg Newsome, uh, you know, guys like that who, their entire careers has either been the college, you know, fortress mentality, or in you know the the it's a great the word. zoom you know the zoom you know di- virtual world where you know they don't have hey you know can we get you for five minutes on a zoom to talk on a what and, and like you say yeah the the podium guys are great i you know i appreciate some of the 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 because it makes it easier my god i couldn't imagine you know crowding around deshaun watson's locker after you know but at the same time i look back i was going kind of going through some of my stuff the last couple of weeks from the the year kind of assessing myself 
And my best stuff was stuff that, hey, pull Kellen Mond aside or, or Josh Dobbs or Anthony Schwartz or somebody like that. Just get them off to the side and talk to them, you know, and, and, and get, you know, where you can kind of, you can flush things out and get the story, like you say. And, you know, I found a lot of my stuff was rookies or backup quarterbacks or, or third string quarterbacks, I should say, because, uh, or, you know, offensive linemen, you know, pre- and, and because those are the guys that would actually be at their locker more often than not, you know, beyond the, the, their, if they had a time at a, at the podium, the one guy who maybe was different and this is, I'm getting off on a tangent here. I apologize, but oh, it's all good. It's one of the great things about podcast. As an SEC, you know, SEC country, I knew about Amari Cooper. I, I mean, I knew about him at Alabama. I knew about him with the Raiders and, and the Cowboys. I have never gained a greater appreciation for both player and person for an individual quite like I did Amari over the last several months because. You watch him on the field, and it's you're just everything that I hear Tyler talk about him, and everything Tyler talks about him. It's like, oh, I see it. The, I mean, the dedication to the craft, the, the, but also the professionalism. You know, Amari's not the most. I don't think Amari really likes to talk. I think he's sort of he comes across. I want to say introverted a little bit, but at the same time, when he talks. He'll give you something. You know, sometimes you have to listen, but he'll give you something. Win or lose, he's at his locker after a game talking. And, and you know, he talked after their next to last game in Washington. Actually, suburban Maryland, but they, <laughs> he talked about he's been playing with a core muscle injury over the last – he played with a core muscle injury over the last month of the season that really impacted his speed. Really, and I think it really impacted part of the development of Deshaun integrating him back in the into the offense. And he talked. It was me and a couple another reporter. We're talking to his at his locker. He's talking about playing hurt, and he goes, "I used to not be not want to play hurt. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play hurt." And he said, "Nick Saban." told him, you going to play or I got somebody else I'll play over you. But you playing at 70% is better than this player at 100%. So what are we going to do here? And he said that message resonated and that he's brought that to, you know, to the NFL and into his work ethic. And, you know, th- that was, just, you know, it's like one of those things you're just in this, you know, this postgame scrum it wasn't really a scrum, it was just a couple of us, but yeah, it's just such a, you know, for him, uh, you know, a star to a degree in that people know who Amari Cooper is, acknowledging, yeah, I used to not be this tough, but now I am. And, you it's know, that, part that, of that was such a, that was, a, you know, you, again, getting to know these players and having conversations, individual conversations, it, 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 I don't know if you get that before 
Podcast brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the 1 Gig, the Powers, the Clark Forge Studio. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's NESpark.com. 662-238-3159. Phone service, parental controls, network security, and much more. So to get the best internet in Lafayette County, also parts of Union and Pontotoc Counties. For those who previously did not have internet, again, that's 662-238-3159. If you're coming to town anytime soon, stop by OPA. It's the uh, perfect place to enjoy a uh, lunch, dinner, uh, craft libations, and more. It's Oxford's newest Greek restaurant on the square. It's OPA. Check them out next time you're in Oxford. I'll have a mailbag up uh, tomorrow. It's brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. You can reach her at 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. We'll pick the Super Bowl later this week. That is brought to you on uh, by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. Um, if your company is looking to hire quality, hard-to-find talent, service specialists can help. Keep in mind that payment of service is solely contingent on if you decide to hire a candidate that they send. So you've got nothing to lose. So give Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call. 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website, servicespecialistltd.com. Don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward, chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile. So call Corinth Dental today. Get a no-cost digital scan of your teeth. Let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment. Financing is available at CorinthDental.com. And we're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, so much offered at Southern Traditions. It's also a great place for events, parties, that kind of thing. So get in touch with the people at Southern Traditions on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. Podcast also brought to you by Style Assembly. Guys, Valentine's Day just around the corner. Get that special lady something she will love at Style Assembly Women's Boutique on the square offering clothes, shoes, purses, jewelry, sunglasses, and more. Women are all a bit the same, so they carry sizes running from extra small to 2XL. Also, no, all budgets aren't built the same either, so they have a variety of price points. Ladies can create a wish list in the store or over the phone. It's left on file. Then guys can call or stop by, pick something off the list she's guaranteed to love. It's a win-win. Leave and wrap it up. Have it waiting on you. They sell gift cards. Take the guesswork out of buying. So if you're not in Oxford, no problem. They ship. Call or DM to place an order. That's 203 North Lamar next to Blind Pig or call the store at 662-638-3163. Ask for Kate. She's the owner, and she will personally help you out. You don't. I was, two things that stick out from that. One is is it's the uh, part of the Saban program that he doesn't get enough credit for, frankly, is that he tells kids as recruits that he'll get you ready for the NFL, and then, by God, they do it. I mean, they they get their guys ready for the NFL. I mean, they, it, it's, it, sounds, it sounds cliche when they say, hey, what you have to do at Alabama is you have to buy in. You have to be part of the process. But if you do it, we're going to do our part, and we're going to get you ready for the league. And, frankly, it's – and Kirby's starting to do that at Georgia, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's that's the challenge, right? If you're if you're 
you're Brian Kelly, if you're Lane Kiffin, if you're Mark Stoops, whoever, I mean, that, that, frankly, that is your challenge. You've got to get that reputation. Right. You've got to get the reputation of we get guys ready for the league. That's I that. think I think there's I think there's two two programs that do that. Nick at Alabama, and, and you just really have to look at the numbers. And this is not a geographic uh, bias here, but I think it's evident with Ohio State. Yeah, for I sure, mean, absolutely. I mean, those are the two programs. Those are the gold standards in terms of, and then, like you say, Kirby is getting there with Georgia, but yeah, those are the two programs that you just cannot deny. When their players get to the league, by God, they're probably – it's on the player if they, they're, they're not ready to go because, by God, most of those players will give you something – and those players are made accessible to media in Columbus, in Tuscaloosa, in Athens. They they are well, <laughs> Athens is a little less, but they're working on it. But but in 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 Columbus and Tuscaloosa, it's part of the deal. And and yeah. guys get more familiar with media. And you know, I remember wasn't that long ago there were guys that I covered at Ole Miss that knew me by my first name, right? Um, knew who I was. Uh, you know. When I say we had developed a personal relationship, it wasn't like it was like, hey, let's go hang out and have a beer or anything like that. But it was more like, you know, I, I could say, hey, tell your parents I said hello, um, you know, or or somebody might say, you know, how are your girls or whatever. They they knew there was more to me than just the guy that covered Ole Miss. And I knew there was more to them than the guy who played safety for Ole Miss or linebacker for Ole Miss or whatever. And I don't know that today at the college level, I don't know that these guys know who the hell any of us are. And so you're just another face. They, especially coming up through the, like you say, through the, the recruiting car wash where it's just one. I mean, you're just, it's, it's a multitude of voices, a multitude of faces that you're dealing with. I mean, there, I mean, I'm sure there are a couple of them that get somewhat close to these guys, but I, not not it can't be nearly the percentage that maybe in in the old old days I age myself here at age 45 <laughs> but uh, well I'm the same way but I mean just it's you know it, it, that's my it's going full circle on this part of the conversation that's the part that I think they do tell them in Tuscaloosa and in Columbus is hey look if you get into the league when when you're in the league and I mean you know you play on Sunday you're off on Monday and Tuesday when you show up on Wednesday to the interview to the to the locker room in Las Vegas or Los Angeles or wherever the case may be, there's going to be writers in the locker room. Mm-hmm. They're going to ask you about stuff, and you you can either you can either be standoffish with them and develop that reputation, or you can be professional. You get to decide, but it's going to happen. They're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Be- you know, I think of you mentioned you know getting to know them personally. I mean, I don't think we ever completely get to know these guys personally, but I'll give you an anecdote from this past season where you know you're just having a conversation with it. You know, we're talking. It's me and uh, another guy, guy from AP up here. We're just sitting. You know, the locker room's kind of empty, and Jacoby Brissett is just sitting in his locker. This is before his, he's going. This is before his final start. It was so. This is right after Thanksgiving, and um, you know we're just chatting with him. We're asking him how his Thanksgiving went. What did what'd you do for Thanksgiving? Well, I went to 
did you go to some place for dinner? It's like, yeah, I went to I went to Waffle House, <laughs> which leads to me, you know, being you know having spent some time in the South. I'm like Waffle House. I'm like, so so what? What you order? What you go to? And he, you know, he's like, oh, this that. He goes, I it's like I never had Waffle House till three in the morning in Gainesville, Florida, in like nineteen. He goes, I never had it before till Gainesville, Florida either. <laughs> But, you know, it's just those little conversations more than anything that where they at least get comfortable and they realize you're not the enemy. You're you're he's a human and I'm a human and two humans can have an interaction and it doesn't have to be confrontational because it's rarely confrontational. I mean, that's the thing is it's if you think about what we're what we're trying to do as as writers, I'm just. I'd much rather tell your story. And if I'm telling your story, I'm I'm almost certainly going to at least subconsciously attempt to paint it in a positive way. And and I'm not out. Why would I? God, the energy it would take to be out to get everybody that you're supposedly out to get is, is over. Think about you don't want to write about you when you're bad. Do you think we enjoy writing about oh we're at the it's another season finale that's gonna end with you know the what coaches are getting fired, what players are getting traded. We don't like that any more than anybody else does. I mean, you'd rather cover, you'd rather be covering the Super Bowl. Uh, heck yeah. I yeah, mean, I, mean, I, I want to be in Glendale right now. I yeah. Mean, I mean, but, when people, people like, you know, do you, there's a difference between cheering for the team you cover, but I mean, and then also being a realist. I mean, look, I, I'm covering a basketball team right now that just won their second league game. They're they're two and nine, I guess, in the league headed down the stretch. I'd much rather than be nine and two. Nine and two would mean that I'm going to cover the NCAA tournament. That I'm covering some stuff that's interesting. That there's going to be some matchup in in the tournament somewhere that's going to be this intriguing matchup. Right? Maybe they're going to run up against some of the big a big blue blood. Maybe they run up against Duke or Michigan State or whatever. Where it's going to be a lot more interesting, fun for me, frankly, as a journalist to come up with. Okay, I'm going to write about this as opposed to. Yeah, you're playing out the string, and you're going to play in front of two thousand people on Saturday, and I'm going to go, and my attention span is going to drift off. And yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I'd much rather cover that. We don't like asking the same questions over and over. And you know, I've heard you talk about the press conferences with Kermit. And we don't, do. You think we like asking when the to the players or the coach? We don't like asking these questions. We struggle. What the heck are we going to write about now? You know, yeah, sure. we want. And so, you know, we all want to, well, again, we're not rooting, we're not fans, but at the same time, the rising tide lifts all ships, lifts all boats. And, you know, a good season, you know, I I, I think some of my best stuff has been when I've covered really good teams over my career because generally people are in a good mood and, and they're more willing to, give you time, which gives you more time to maybe unlock that story that yep. hasn't been told. All right. So let me ask you this. I'm, 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 I'm super curious here. Um, the Browns coming into the season, they were going to be one of the big stories. A lot of people kind of had them as a sexy playoff pick. Um, I think people were curious how the whole Deshaun Watson thing would work out massive contract that has rocked the sport in many ways. Um, there was a lot there. Were you surprised that this team kind of ended up being a 
a, a rather mediocre, probably on its best day, club in a, in, a, in a tough division where Cincinnati's in that division and Baltimore's in that division and Pittsburgh by the end of the year looked like their future is pretty bright. And and yet with Cleveland, you're like, I don't know what I think. I mean, was this was this rust with Deshaun Watson? Was this just, you know, is, is this a bad idea? Is this going to work? I mean, there's so many question marks with with the Browns at the end of the season as opposed to the, you know, at least a couple of the teams in that division. I think when the the... The Deshaun thing just hung over everything. So it was because it didn't really get settled until the middle of August. I, I you know, it was like August 18th when they finally came to the agreement that it was going to be 11 games. And I think once it got to 11 games, I think because we didn't know what they had in Jacoby Brissett. I mean, we thought we knew what they had in Jacoby Brissett. We didn't know he was going to go out and actually play some pretty competent football. Yeah. I mean, it should have been him and not Tyler. If somebody was going to go to the backup was going to go to the Pro Bowl, it should have been from the AFC North. It should have been him and not Tyler Huntley. But that's a that's a discussion for another day. I think once he got to eleven, though, I think that everybody just goes, "Okay, this is just one long run up to when he comes back, and then let's see what they have in four. And there were times they were an average football team. You know, they had days where you went, I mean, look, nobody has beaten the Cincinnati Bengals the last two years, quite like the Browns. Have. Yeah, I mean, I sure. think in the last two, two seasons, the Browns have been, the, uh, they're a bad matchup at times for the When the Browns play well, because you got Garrett coming off the edge and getting pressure on Joe and, and then you have Nick Chubb in the running game that just kind of grinds that defense down. But in be that as may, you know, they were just such an up and down team. Their defense couldn't stop a couldn't stop a running nose, let alone a running game. Um, they so that once it got to Deshaun, it was like, well, what do we have here? And I think a lot of it was rust. You know, you talk to people and, you know, two years, nearly two years off is a long time to not play. I mean, he played three three series in a preseason game, but what's a preseason game? Nowadays? Yeah, it doesn't count. But, and, and talking to some people, the thought is, well, the last, you know, you could see flashes. You know, he played second half of Washington. You know, he, 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 he saw more explosiveness. You know, I thought he played moment there were moments in every game where you you saw flashes now the question is well is that leading to something are, are it, can he take it to a, a significant step forward to where does he have to get completely back to where it was in 19 and 20 where he's a pro bowl quarterback Maybe, but he certainly can't take a baby step between now and next fall. You know, he has to, and he has to, there has to be a demonstrative difference between him. And I think part of that will just be a comfort with him and Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, their, their offensive coordinator, and, and the players around him. Like I said, we t- Amari Cooper was not healthy for the most majority of his time back on the field because of that, that core muscle injury. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a nice player, a receiver, but he's not – it's not like – they're not running Chase Higgins and Boyd out. They're running 
one and a half quality NFL receivers right now. And, and so I, I think I'm fascinated to see what this looks like next year, because I think the questions are still there. The questions haven't been answered anymore by these six games that he played. I think you're going to see an offense that looks a lot like Philly, what you see in Philly, because what you could do with Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, there's similarities there. Both teams have great offensive lines. I think that's something that's underestimated about the Browns is a really, really good offensive line with multiple pro bowlers on it. Legitimate pro bowlers, not, you know, alternates and stuff like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but it, again, it all just comes down to Watson. And, and what does Deshaun Watson, how big of a step does Deshaun Watson take? So how much? You know, that's a $230 million question. Yeah, it's such a massive contract. And I, I still can't believe they gave him that contract knowing that there was so much scandal around him, uh, hanging over him. And I suppose it's in the rearview mirror. I'm curious from a – not from covering him because you, for you guys, it's not something that probably comes up anymore. But like with fans, with the community, people in Cleveland, how much does the stuff that – happened and allegedly happened in Texas sort of hang over this guy that is because of his contract and because of the position that he plays is the face of the franchise. Well, it still hangs over a little, it still hangs over in part because he still has a couple hanging out there. I mean, he's supposed to, I think in March, I think one of the last one, there was one that came up in October that I don't know if a trial date's been set or anything like that. But there's one of the 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 last remaining one from the original batch. I, I hate to phrase it like that, but you know, sure. But group, the original group, group, group of, of women, yeah, who who made group accusations. Of, group of allegations, group of lawsuits. There was one remaining, and that goes to trial in March. I want to believe. So how much does that impact? I mean, how long does that trial go? You know, how does that impact his? you know, his participation in the off-season program. But as far as, you know, but I I mean, there's no more suspensions coming, at least for this upcoming season, I, I would guess, because I can't imagine, I mean, I can't imagine even if something comes out today, God, please don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean... I, the the wheels of justice in the NFL don't work that fast. I mean, we're still right. waiting. We got video of Alvin Kamara and, you know, punching somebody in an elevator and last Pro Bowl, and uh, nothing still happened there. So, I mean, they take their good old time with some of this stuff. But as for the fans, I, I think there's a certain – the ones that – I think everybody has sort of gone to their corners and – there's a certain we've gone to the place we go so often in sports when sports in real life intersect is a certain resignation that, okay. You know, whether it's, you know, that look talent trumps morality, you know, you know, they're going to do what's best for the scoreboard yeah. and not necessarily for, you know, 
whatever. And you know, there 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 are fans that you know. By God, I'm a Browns fan. I didn't acquire the guy, but he's wearing the he's wearing the laundry. So I rooted for this team. By God, I suffered through Red Right '88 and the drive and the fumble and the move and every all this stuff. By God, I just want a damn Super Bowl before I die. Yep. And then there are some people like peace out. I, I th- this is a bridge too far. I can't do this for whatever you know for. Because it's it, it's just too much, and look, it's so I respect interesting the, the juxtaposition of of Deshaun Watson and like Trevor Bauer and and like I keep waiting for a major league baseball team in the spring. The ace blows his ACL, not ACL, is it UCL or ACL. Either way, more likely to be a UCL. And I keep waiting for. Uh, look at you drinking the rain. I like that. Um, I keep waiting for one of those teams to go, yeah, I get it. It's really distasteful, but, you know, he won the Cy Young. He could give us 200 innings. Yeah, I mean. The major league minimum. Somebody. I just keep waiting for someone to do it. And, like, the Cleveland just went all, all the way in and said, hey, this is probably the only way we get Deshaun Watson it is. in his it's the prime. only way they could get in a- how many times? Let's step. Let's remove the baggage, and I realize it's an ocean liner's worth of baggage. Sure, but, but at the same time, a quarterback of theoretically that talent, that elite level, how often is that on the market? Hardly Proven, ever. It's never on. Not in this. Hardly day ever. Day. Never. I mean, never. I mean, never. Not till the like maybe the very end of their careers. Like you might be able to. You might be able to get a deal for Aaron Rodgers today. Maybe he's 39, but I mean, he could. Yeah, I mean, you're getting 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. You're getting 40, 42-year-old Tom Brady. I mean, are you getting, what's Deshaun, 28 years old? Yeah, you're not not getting that guy. Of course not. So it's out there, and you have to sort of swallow it and just go, okay. And like you said, I mean, you think you're praying. Imagine what it's like in the Browns front office every time the phone rings. But please let this not be, you know, something bad. He gives you an opportunity, and and it is at the end of the day all about winning. It, it's like Cincinnati's got this really difficult decision to make right now about Joe Mixon and what happened, and you know that charge could come back up, and it's like yeah, but you know, I mean, I, you know, it's funny because it's funny you mentioned Cincinnati because I was talking to after the Browns lost the second game to Cincinnati, there were early in the game there was some jawing between Watson and some Bengals defenders, and one of the Brown's offensive lineman kind of stepped in, sort of jawed at the the Bengals defensive lineman, but kind of shoved Watson back to the locker room. And I was I w- I went up to them after the game, and I go, you know, what was that all about? Were they kind of giving Watson Deshaun? It's like, yeah, it's like, but yo, glass houses, anybody? Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about your running back? I yeah. mean, because th- again, this is you know, Joe came in the league with some, you know, he, he goes, he, didn't you guys have Vontez Perfect? And I mean, so it's like he goes, he goes, what's it going to be like in Pittsburgh? And you know, and then it's like, well, didn't your quarterback? You know, and see, we get, I mean, we can do this all across the, Absolutely. you know, all across, all they're across the league. They're not Saints. And the only Saints in the league are the ones that play in New Orleans. I mean, that, that, that's 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 yeah, it, you know, and it. It, it's such an interesting 
deal that organizations have to face is how do you how do you address this? Because if you put God, this sounds terrible, but if you put the morality front and center, okay, but are you gonna win enough? And so you, you gotta win. And what were the two biggest trades in the last offseason in the NFL? Uh Deshaun and uh you're gonna have to help me. I'm I'm having a Kansas City to Miami. Oh yeah, Tyreek Hill. Those two have something somewhat in common. Both of them have had issues in the past with with the law, legal issues. You know, Tyreek had the was it domestic domestic violence, mm-hmm. and Deshaun obviously has his. And this is not a what about? I'm not doing the what aboutism that sure. you know. This is not a oh, it's Cleveland writer. You know, no, I mean. You can't hide. I mean, what Deshaun did is is alleged to have done is awful. And as a father of a daughter, I know that gets tired. That's a trope that gets tired for hearing from people. But it it, it 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 turns the stomach those allegations, especially when you read them in black and white. But he's allowed. They're allowed to play in the league. I judge. I have to focus on what goes on on the field. He's not answering questions about that. He he came out his first press conference when he came off suspension. He's like, I'm focused on the field, my my people, not just his legal people. It's his like therapy. You know, he's going through counseling and everything as part of the the suspension uh, agreement. Told him focus on the field. Everything focused on the field. So, but it's I mean, when a coach gets kept who has a 500 or worse record because he does good in the community, then I believe <laughs> that these teams care about, yeah, care more, about more than fair, more, you know, something other than what scoreboard says, especially this particular ownership group. So let me ask you about a couple of teams in the division that you cover. Uh, what is Baltimore in your opinion? What are they really going to do with Lamar Jackson? There's a chance that they can't reach an agreement because obviously Lamar Jackson looks at Deshaun Watson's contract, forget the outside stuff. He looks at the contract and says, I want that. I've, I'm I'm more proven as a player in Baltimore than he is in Cleveland. Right. I, want, I want that deal. And the Ravens go, well, we're not positive. We want to do that deal. And so they're starting to hear these whispers and you have a lot more league sources than I do. But I talked to some people in the league that are like, Hey, I, I think Baltimore's, starting to take trade calls like they're at least listening to when the phone rings about Lamar Jackson. So what do you think happens with this guy who is a transcendent talent still very much in the prime of his career? I think they tag him ultimately, but with the, the thought of, look, we're either going to get a haul for him in a trade, like you said, or we have, him. you know, we at least have him for one more year where maybe we can smooth things out. Maybe, Maybe a new offensive coordinator, new, you know, connects with him, and you know we, we we put finally for the first time in Ravens history put uh, receivers around the quarterback that can actually you know make big plays and you know all of you know maybe we can figure this out because he is the future, and maybe Lamar also can prove he can stay healthy. Yeah, because let's let's. This is sort of the the elephant in the room when it comes to Lamar is that the last two years, 
if what happened in 2021 where he missed December and January because of the the ankle injury, which ironically happened in Cleveland, um, if that was just a one-off, okay. But this is the second year in a row he's basically missed all of December and January and cost the Ravens, you know, really cost the Ravens either a playoff appearance or a chance to go deeper in the playoffs because of an injury. You have to step back and ask, are we starting to see durability issues with Lamar? Sure, sure. And, and you know, and that was, I that was the questions coming out of Louisville. And you know, I loved him at Louisville. And, you know, I thought he was dynamic and amazing. And he's shown it in the NFL. And he's gotten better as the the criticisms about his passing. I I think he's become a better passer. But the durability you just can't take that many hits. It, you know, you just can't. You got to prove you can finish the season in two straight years. He hasn't. So I think that's the big question that if nothing else, if they can't trade him, they need to see before he gets anything close to what Deshaun got. I I think that's what you need to see out of him in uh, next season in Baltimore. You mentioned uh, Joe Burrow earlier in conversation. Obviously, that's priority one for the Bengals is getting his deal done. I mean, they give them credit. They they uh, they have drafted extremely well. They've been able to uh, have a, a team full of guys on rookie scale deals that have been incredibly uh, productive. Made it to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Arguably, should be in another Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, they're they're right there. They they'll go in the next season as one of the five probably favorites to to win the Super Bowl. But Burrow's going to get paid. Uh, Jamar Chase right. is going to get paid. T. Higgins is going to get paid. They've got decisions to make with Tyler Boyd. There's there's a lot there. Uh, what's from your perspective uh, in that same division with them? What's what's the future hold for the Bengals? I think you know. I, I was reading some stuff out of Cincinnati, and you know, I forget who it was, but the the person was sort of breaking down the you know how things you know were were playing out in terms of where people were, guys were on their, you know, on on the various deals and everything. And look, I think you cut your losses with Mixon because, I mean, P. Ryan, you know, gave them quality, quality, you know, carries last year. And you can find, I mean, it's a good running back class, deep running backs class. I mean, running backs are a dime a dozen. Mixon's kind of hurt himself here because, in, in a lot because on top of the the problems off the field and his background is that if you break him down from a production standpoint, he's 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 not elite. He's not even upper crust. He's not even upper half in terms of running backs. And it's kind of a league where it's not that running backs are a dime a dozen, but you can go find a running back to be productive. And that offense, especially because, you know, the, the focus of that offense is going to be on Joe and and the guys on the per, on the on the edge, they're, you know, they're not going to be, you know, you go pick a guy in the fourth round, uh, you know, the, the Tulane running back. Let's say, you know, they go get the kid out of Tulane, and you know, plug him in the backfield. Who's to say he can't do just you know just as I don't want to say just as well, but give you enough in that running game that you can, you know, it takes some of the pressure off of Joe Burrow. I think, you know. It would hurt to lose a Tyler Boyd because he's just that third, you know, it's just that third added guy because that that you have in that that receiving core. But at the same time, you can find this is a good, I think this is a good receiver draft. I think relatively, you know, 
go out and, you know, in the second round and get a Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt, if he's there or, you know, somebody else. Sure. You know, that, I mean, we're talking about number three receivers and we're talking about running backs in a offense that's centered around a, a, a dynamic passing game. I, I think there are, there are ways Cincinnati can just sort of keep their main guys especially Joe, especially Jamar, and still maintain those other positions where they're still very, very, you know, very good. Were you as impressed as I was with Pittsburgh as the season sort of went along? I would watch them and be like, oh, man, they're they're a little better than I thought they'd be. I kind of liked Pickett. I didn't anticipate liking Pickett. And I can tell by your face, you're like, I don't know. I don't know that I saw the same thing. So I'm curious. To no, 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 no. That's not it. Uh as somebody who has grown up in Northeast Ohio and, you know, through the, I don't know, people outside of North, you know, out of this area understand the Cleveland Pittsburgh is like Ohio state, Michigan. It's, it's just one of those, it's just ingrained in the area. It's as much geographic as it is. It doesn't matter. Good, bad. You know, you pay attention as much to the other guy as you do your own team. And, just seen Pittsburgh too. This is the Steelers. It's why they're one of the best organizations in football in all of sports. Actually, is yeah. This is just what they do. It's just ingrained in them. While it's it seems to be ingrained in the Cleveland Browns to when you get to that fork in the road where you go good or bad, you veer to the bad. With the Steelers, is like we got good or bad. We're gonna go. We're gonna veer toward the good because it, it's just what. Off. Mike Tomlin, the Roonies, Mike Tomlin, the 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 core, you know, you saw guys like Cam Hayward who are left over from, you know, the you know that run of of um, guys, you know, the, with the, you know the Palomalos, the you know that that left over from from that era of Steelers football. That it, it's a pride. It's a this is what we do. We do not. We we may not get to the playoffs, but by God, you're going to have to carry us out to to get us off the field and out of the playoff mix. So, so no, I wasn't exactly surprised. And you know, as far as Pickett, I will say I I need to see a little bit more from sure. him. You know, I you know I saw I only saw him one of the two games because Trubisky was starting. Your boy was starting uh, the first <laughs> time they they played him. <laughs> Um, my boy, <laughs> my son always <laughs> says, my son always says that he messes my, my own 16 year old messes with me about Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, I like Mitch. I can remember. There's another guy I can remember watching in high school play and, you know, it, just up in the men or up in Northeast Ohio. But anyways, but I saw, you know, Kenny in the, the, the season finale and I liked what I saw, but at the same time, I think there's still some room to grow, but. He was a rookie. I mean, so, you know, you give the rookie, you chalk the, the struggles up to being a rookie. You accentuate the positives that, hey, he did this, 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 those, those fourth quarter comebacks and, and, and game-winning drives the last couple of weeks. So um, I, I expect him to, again, next year be challenging for – I think, and especially if they keep the T.J. Watt healthy, I think they can be really good next year. Because Pickens, 
Deontay Johnson are two amazing Friar Moose, the tight end. You know, Najee Harris is, I mean, I mean, the pieces are there for Pittsburgh. It, it to be really Pittsburgh and Cincinnati battling for that division as much as anybody with the Browns all dependent on what Deshaun Watson. All right. Some rapid fire stuff. I've kept you way too long. Uh, the Chicago Bears do what with the first pick in the draft? Trade it. I think they trade. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's that's. Uh, I think they trade it. Now talk to me. Uh, talk to me tomorrow, and I might say they take Will Anderson. And talk to me the day after that, I might say trade it again. And I, I, I it, it's it. It really is. I think they're going to. I think they're going to take this right down to the last second and see what they. I mean, I would. I, I mean, would too. Oh yeah, because it's, I think there's be an auction. I, I think that I think they have something. I'm intrigued by what Fields did the second half of last season. That you know, you got something there, but if somebody knocks your socks off, you know, go take it. Yeah, what they what they feel about Fields. Not publicly, but what they feel privately about fields inside their own building would be the one thing I'd really love to know. Like, what do right. you what do you really believe in your heart of hearts, in your soul of souls? What do you believe about Justin Fields? Because that impacts what you do, what you don't do, etc. All right, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for who next season, if he's a quarterback at all? Titans, Tennessee. You're starting to hear a little bit, just this little bit of buzz about Tennessee being a possible landing spot. And I'd be fascinated. You put Aaron Rodgers, if he can still play at a reasonably high level, you put him in in that with Derrick Henry and, you know, maybe Traylon Brooks develops a little bit, you know, in his second year with Mike Vrabel. I think you got something there. With, yeah, with the no, they'd be they'd be good. Um, all right, Derek Carr is the quarterback. Where is it? Who is it still? Do they do the who day down in in Cincinnati and in New Orleans also? Or it's who who that? Who that? I knew it was. A, I, I knew there was a dispute between uh, Cincinnati and uh, New Orleans. I I, I think he's. A, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how Mickey Loomis is going to make this this make this salary cap magic work. But I think maybe he's – I think he's a New Orleans Saint. All right. Uh, rumor is they're playing a game on Sunday in Glendale. I'm, I'm, I'm still somewhat protesting. Uh, but but we've, got, uh, we've got Kansas City, Philadelphia going for a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes getting another crack at it. Um, Jalen Hurts, 24, getting a, a start in a Super Bowl. Who wins and why? I like Philly just because I like their overall team just a little bit more. I think – I really like the Philly offensive line. I love the Philly defensive line. I think Hus- between Hassan Reddick and Fletcher Cox and and some of those guys up front, I I just I think they're able to get pressure on Willis Reed there. I meant Patrick Mahomes. Um, <laughs> and um, as well done. Uh, and that I, I just think I think it's a great game. I, I think it's going to be a, a great game, but I think Philly wins. I just. I saw them back in August. They were in Cleveland for a couple of days of joint practices, and I, I watched them. And seeing that those line line of scrimmage, you talk about line of scrimmage, they are so good at the line of scrimmage, and, and I just think that's the difference in in why they win the game. 
All right, here's a crazy one. Everyone always talks about this Super Bowl. Year out, if you had to put money on who's in the next Super Bowl, who you got? You, you, you giving Buffalo another run? Is this the year the Bengals break through? Does Kansas City do it again? And then, I mean, the NFC is like wide open outside of Philly. Give me Cincinnati, Philly. Oh, okay. Just right now, today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know about the quarterback. I would, 49ers would be there. If I knew what their quarterback was going to, the situation was going to look like, Cowboys would they be there? That I could believe he's in the not Cowboys. Gonna, he's, not, he's not going to do it. Um, Dak's not going to get you there. Wherever Aaron Rodgers lands could change. Like if he ends in Miami, like let's see Aaron Rodgers land. Oh. Factor. I mean, he's a factor, and I, I agree with you about Tennessee. Although the Titans just look to be taking steps back. Yeah, here. yeah, they look you, like that. But if you give them a, a competent star quarterback, I mean, it, it, it's a league. It's a quarterback league that completely changes everything. Right. So, but I just really like. I just really like Cincinnati. I mean, I just really like what I see out of Cincinnati. They just look like they're that team. That's it's their time. Their time is coming sooner rather than later. And I think, I think that that's next year. I don't know if they win it, but if I had to pick right now, I'd, I'd go Bengals Eagles just because I, I, again, line of scrimmage. And I just like the way that Eagles team is, has been built. Chris, I can't thank you enough for the time. It's been a pleasure to getting to know you and spending some time with you. I hope to do it again uh, sometime soon. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for having me on Neil. Appreciate you. Yep. Our uh, thanks to Chris Easterling for his time on the show. Uh, also, our thanks to uh, Carl Lafferty and Neil Stratton for their time tonight. This will be up in podcast form on Friday as the Oxford Exxon podcast. Speaking of, we'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast. We'll recap Ole Miss, South Carolina basketball, Super Bowl 57, and discuss OU and Texas into the SEC and whatever else comes up from the uh, sports weekend ahead. Thanks for making our show a part of your day, a part of your week. We certainly appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy uh, the Super Bowl and good night.